All right. Where were we? So, you know, we had, I think we pretty much covered Otto and Allison and Veyman's scene. Yeah. And um, we get some thundering in the background as we come down from the, uh, the weirwood tree and we're in the godswood. I love the use of thunder in this episode. Yeah, very, very, very ominous. Very, you know, <laughs> yeah. this brooding, you know, meta. Yeah. Speaking of brooding, that's pretty much what <laughs> Rainis is doing. <laughs> yeah, just hanging out in the godswood. And she's greeted by Raina, her her granddaughter, who hasn't seen her in quite some time, probably. Bela was mm-hmm. taken as a ward, but Raina's been on on um at Dragonstone. And <laughs> as she points out to uh, to Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra is kind of like using her as a shield or as like a, a right as like a appetizer, a, um, yeah, yeah. An appetizer to soften up Rhaenys, yeah, which is pretty funny. And man, yeah, Rhaenys but... has such a commanding presence in this whole scene. Yeah, she really does. I really, I really like the the actress that that plays Rhaenys. She's been really good throughout. Yeah, very stoic and and poised throughout this whole episode. Um, really. Yeah. Wonder if the realm would have been better with her instead of the Cirrus. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question to ponder. Uh, and so Rhaenyra is talking about how she wondered for many an hour, what purpose Rhaenys has by showing up here, um, whether she'd back the greens or the blacks, but then she realizes that she's going to be advocating for herself She's like, come on, this is no fair proceeding. It's a trap. It's a trap. Set by the queen in the hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd wager to proclaim my son illegitimate. And Renice is not having it. She's like, yet yeah, you did worse with Lenor. Did you not? You know, and it's just like, oh, man. She really does think that Rhaenyra and Daemon had uh, Lenor hand. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, and I mean, it's sort of the, I mean, we could, with the time jumps, obviously we can't see what we can't see. So, you know, I guess we're, to, we're left to, to think that they haven't talked about Lenor and him, you know, roasting in the fireplace for six years or, you know, over six years. Yeah. So now they're finally having this conversations as the show, you know, jumps along. Yeah. At least there was no situation where the accusation was appropriate for the moment. Right. But right, here right. where she needs Rainey's, Rainey's is like, you know, she can put her foot down and be like, why would I help mm-hmm. you when I know you did yeah. this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And she, you know, her first, Rainier's first answer is I loved your son. Yeah. She kind of pauses and it, like is, is taken aback by it, but you know, by the accusation and she, she like gets caught off guard, like a deer in the headlights for a couple seconds. And she's like, I loved your son. And Rainier's like turns away and scoffs in disgust. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, don't you lie to me and <laughs> use him like this. Yeah. She, uh, Rainier says, you may not believe it, but, but I did, I, you know, Rainier says, I really did love Lenor. I did not. Then this is, you know, the specificity of language is important. Rainier says, I did not order his death nor was I complicit in it. I swear this to you. Yes. And that's the truth. <laughs> she ordered his, the faking of his death. <laughs> she was complicit in that. But she was not complicit in his death because yeah. she's hanging out with Coral. 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 Uh, very, very clever word. Somewhere, somewhere in Essos. So I still want to figure out what the deal with sea smoke is. If, if Lenor is gone, what gives? Yeah, I pr- we probably just won't see Sea Smoke again. He'll end up like uh, 
chasing down Lenor or hanging out at, off of Spice Town, whining like Vagar was for, for a while. Yeah, just like, yeah, like a dog who, whose owner is gone. It just sits there and mopes and oh, whines man, all day. So sad. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Oh man. And then you know, so she says, Rhaenyra says, "I wasn't complicit in it. I swear this." And then um, she seems she surprised to change. Yeah, Rhaenys kind of. She's like, "Whoa, you're really." I gonna- still think she's you know skeptical. Um, but she's like, I mean, maybe she can take Rhaenyra at her word. Who knows? I mean, Damon is Damon. So his reputation for anything and everything, you know, nothing's off the table. Like, like no depravity is off the table <laughs> for Damon. You have to be more specific about which depravity you're talking about. <laughs> right. So now that Rhaenyra, now that Rhaenyra has hitched whore, I'm sorry. Whore. Now that Rhaenyra... <laughs> wow, that was a Freudian, an anti-Freudian slip. She's not a whore. She's the queen, uh, the crown princess. Um, now that Rhaenyra has hitched her horse Love. to Damon, oh yeah, the horse looks nice. Uh, to Damon, you know, she, her reputation is, you know, sort of gets muddied a bit, potentially with Damon's reputation. And it's like, what could she be yeah, capable of now no that she has Damon? The outside would view Damon, you know, whispering, you know, these evil, nefarious plans into oh, Rhaenyra's yeah. ear. So um, Rhaenyra kind of changes the subject and says, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. I'm going to make him an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'll make you an offer. And then, you know, they talk about the uh, the betrothal. The sad thing here is that if if Rhaenys knew the truth, she would have supported Rhaenyra in her decision to send him into exile, likely, Laenor, uh, because Rhaenys didn't want Laenor to be brought into any of this chaos in the first place. Remember yeah, when, from like three or four episodes ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. Corlys was pushing the marriage between Laenor and Rhaenyra, and Rhaenys was like, oh my god, like, I don't want Laenor to be in, in danger. I've been through yeah. this. It's It's bad. And so my bet, you know, effectively, Rhaenyra spared him from the risk and the conflict. And I think Rainey's would have approved of and supported that maneuver. Um, yeah. So Corliss if she wouldn't was, have liked it, but Rainey's probably would have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. So I think that um, it's too bad. Honesty would have been the best. Honesty might've been the best policy here. It may have won Rainey's more um, definitively and earlier on to her side because we're kind of left hanging here as uh, as to mm-hmm. what her decision is she she says hmm it's a generous offer They're talking about the betrothals mm-hmm. or is it desperate you know and <laughs> thunder cracks yeah, in the more background thunder. yeah and, so ominous yeah, it's and a, it's this awesome. is sort of like the offer Rhaenyra made Allison in yeah, the desperate. Uh, small council room uh, last week or the week before um, she's just Rhaenyra's trying to to use her children and make good matches and good marriages for them as befits their station. Although in that case, it was a rotten olive branch because it would have, they were bastards and they would have been marrying off trueborns to bastards. Whereas in this case, they're regaining drift marks. So Rhaenyra replies, well, what does it matter if it's generous or desperate? And Rhaenys sees the truth in that, that, you Uh know, it really doesn't matter because it's a good offer. Whereas it was not a good offer for, for Alicent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tactically and, and, and strategically it makes more sense, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, Vayman, you know, obviously agrees with Rhaenys that 
Bela and Reina are, you know, the treeborn daughters of the mother. Uh, uh, Lena, and it accomplishes the goal of keeping Driftmark within the legitimate true blood uh, lineage yeah, of through Valerians. through Damon and, and Lena's line. Yeah. So you know, it definitely it definitely makes sense with the name and the blood. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And Rainey's is you know a smart, thoughtful player in, in the game. The, to where she can see that she sees the 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 benefits of uh, matching these two pairs together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty awesome. Um, at this point, you know, um, she she says you are right in this. At least it does not matter. And at this point, I'm thinking, oh man, it doesn't matter because she won't be swayed anyway. You know, so right. the argument is futile or it doesn't matter because it's too good an offer to refuse. Like you said, making an offer, <laughs> you can't refuse. And uh, I like how they left Rainey's plans and thoughts ambiguous here for now and yeah. let us wonder mm-hmm. about it until the actual scene before the court the next day. Um, <laughs> and she kind of throws some jabs. You can bargain with me, bring my granddaughter to soften my resolve. But tomorrow the high towers land their first blow. They force you to your knees and I must stand alone. So she seems to be indicating that she might support Rhaenyra if Rhaenyra stands strong and withstands this first attack. But if Rhaenyra's position is too weak, Rhaenys will have no choice but to continue to play for her own side and to leave Rhaenyra alone effectively and fending for herself. Is that how you understood it as well? Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, she like, Rainey's is already, you know, considering this, you know, a loss, possibly. Um, the high towers lend their first blow. So she's assumed, or, or at the very least, they're calling Rhaenyra on the carpet to answer for the illegitimacy. I mean, that's mm-hmm. their plan. Um, and obviously, you know, Veyman just goes straight for the jugular. He just says it out loud. Um, <laughs> but you know, force, you know, that forces is going to force Rhaenyra to her knees, you know, to defend Jace, to defend Luke um, and their what is rightfully theirs, you know, by the law, you know, if 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 they were truly legitimate. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it, and it still leaves Rhaenys ambiguous, you know, you're forced Rhaenyra is forced to her knees, but Rhaenys must stand alone. So like if she's she forced gonna, to her knees. Right, right. Yeah. If she so if, she's got to wait uh, and see how Rainey's can Rhaenyra can withstand the blow from the high towers, right? And basically, just kind of wait and see how it all plays out uh, in the throne room, because you know, she, yeah, she she definitely needs to be able to play both sides. Yeah, and <laughs> if it's just if Otto and Allison have their way and Veyman gets his way, then who is Rainey's to stand against them? Such but good if Rhaenyra writing. Somehow, exactly, it's really good writing. If, if Rhaenyra somehow withstands their accusations and, you know, their blows, you know, perhaps Rainey's can do the match uh, that they're talking about yeah. and still end up. But I mean, the thing is, those are Damon's girls and the boys are Rainier's boys. So the, the, how much power does the grandmother have to approve or disapprove a match? Without Corliss? Maybe more. Well, I guess it doesn't really matter because she puts it before before the king and the king is the one that says, you know, gives it all the go ahead in the end. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I mean, she's offering this, you know, as as an 
an act of generosity and trying to show goodwill and basically to get Rainey's on her side to, to back Luceris as the heir to, to uh, Driftmark. Totally. But ultimately, I just think of things in, in real technical detail. It's like Damon's yeah. gr- the girl's father. So ultimately he can match him with whoever he wants to. Their mother is dead. And. Oh, oh, I get what you're saying. The, I'm just talking about the marriage match between right, Raina and Bela. Because they're Luke not Rainice's daughters. They're Damon's daughters. They're her granddaughters. Yeah, they're I get what you're saying now. She doesn't even have to be part of the equation. Rhaenyra and Damon could decide it. But Rhaenyra's just kind of including her to, sh- you know, to try to show goodwill. Yeah, yeah, that I makes think. sense. I got you. Sorry, I'm like over here. Yeah, again, family family dynamics because it seems like you know in this conversation, it seems like those girls are Rainey's daughters. Yeah, and she can make them match, but they're Damon's daughters. Yeah, they're Damon's daughters. It's crazy when the family trees start having lines cross. Yeah, or it just goes straight up. Looks like a web. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, brutal, brutal, um, brutal. Is that? I think that maybe is that the end of that scene. Uh, yes, it is. And so this is when night falls, and Ray, Rhaenyra goes to speak with Viserys, begging him to stand up for her and back mm. Viserys's claim. And the thunder is 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 clapping, and the rain is falling, and lightning's cracking, and Viserys is. <sighs> in bed in horrible condition oh, and so bad. as Rhaenyra walks in he says Alicent and this sets the stage to establish that Viserys isn't always sure who's coming to visit him which is important right. later at the end of the episode mm. and so she corrects him no it's Rhaenyra father and she she brings up the prophecy the song of ice and fire do you believe it to be true Aegon's dream. And uh, you told me it was our duty to hold the realm united against the common foe. But by de- naming me heir, you divided the realm, like seemingly working against his own wishes to unite the realm. Um, and she's like, I thought I wanted it, but the burden is a heavy one. It's too heavy. And uh, interestingly, Viserys says, my, my only child, but she's not his only child. He's got Aegon, Amond, Helena, right? So, yeah, uh, you know, I think this kind of goes back to Emma. Yeah. How much he loves this is Emma, true family. how much he misses her and still how bad he feels about what happened with baby Balon yeah. and Emma and the C-section. Which may be an important reason for his backing Rhaenyra. Yeah, yeah, because she... She was his only child for all those years before Allison ever came into the picture. True. And so he does have more children now, but Rainier is the only one he loves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ones that he considers his real, original, like true family. Yeah, OG uh, family. His only full Targaryen child as well, because the others are half Hightower. Exactly. Uh, you know, so she's like, if you wish me to bear the burden. If you wish me to bear it, then defend me and my children. And she's begging with him. And uh, Viserys is in such rough shape, he can't even muster the strength to reply. 
that's what's so yeah, that's what's so crushing about him. This episode is the Damon's trying to talk to him at the beginning about back Luke, back Luke. This is what you need to do. Um, and now here, Rhaenyra is talking to him about the prophecy and the weight and the burden and dividing the realm and all these really important things. If you if you want me to be queen, back me, back Luke, back Jace. But all Viserys can do is just groan in agony, and it's like. <laughs> The the burden on him. <laughs> exactly. You know, and what the what that burden, what the crown has done to him, you know, physically yeah. and mentally and emotionally. Yeah, it's but, so you know, brutal. him and his family. But he but you know, she, she wants to talk to him and you know, for her for him to reassure her to. and that sort of thing. But all he can do, he's so he's in such bad shape, he can't even effectively communicate with her. And it really like makes her sad and she breaks down crying and um in one shot here, it's from the side looking at her as she like reaches up to her face and you can see a teardrop in the moonlight glinting as it dangles from the bottom of her palm. Oh, wow. And it was just like such an awesome shot. Really awesome, awesome. shot. Excellent Dang, shot. That. Excellent acting. Really well done scene. And then it cuts to the next morning as ominous bells toll. The morning arrives and... <laughs> Viserys is uh, having his wounds cleaned and bandaged. Ooh, That's rough. Dude, it's so nasty. He's got the maesters just picking at him and yeah, oh, he's got like holes stand that stuff. on his back. Yeah. Big rotten and, and holes. Later, you know, we see on his cheek too, it's like he's literally decaying. Yeah, he's like a corpse. Uh, it's just got covered with these massive open sores. And like, yeah, like his cheek is just gone. Like there's like a hole on his back and it's sort of blurry in the foreground as the camera's fo focused on his face, which mm -hmm. helps the special effects look more real and blend in. Um, yeah. And man, the really, really, really good special effects in this scene. And uh, he tells yeah. Otto that he wants to have supper. <laughs> and Otto's like, it's the morning, your grace. <laughs> yeah. So we think he's, you know, definitely totally got mentally just like no chance that he's with it. Yeah. And it sort of shows how it sort of symbolized to me how Otto is not listening to him and doesn't listen to his will and he's doing his own mm. thing. But uh, it, it, it frustrates Viserys. And he's like, Oh, tonight. tonight. <laughs> yeah, I wish he was, I almost wish he was said tonight, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. My whole, the whole of my family are gathered at the red keep. I want us to dine together. And it's so brutal because all he wants is for his family to be united, as we've talked about before. He just wants peace. He's got peace in the realm. He just can't manage it for his family. He's And yeah. so he's like obsessed over it. And they're all here. And this is a chance. And he's like, I'm not going to take the poppy. I want dinner tonight. We're all going to be together. And I'm going to do this. Yeah, and they, they move him. They like roll him over. And then they kind of sit him up. Oh. And like they have to. They have to have used a body double, you know, yeah. the way they did with Cersei and the Walk of Shame. Yeah. They get some super skinny, you know, like in person. Captain America, the first one. Yeah. It's like, yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, Chris Evans' face on this little tiny, puny little person. But like, yeah, exactly. or it could just be all special effects, you know, like Gollum. And it's like his whole body, his face, his hair, everything. They yeah. had Alan, uh, Andy Serkis in a green suit. Yep. Just to play the part and do the voice. But. Everything you see on the screen is CGI animated, yeah. for Gollum. So they may have animated the whole body and yeah, then just I sort wonder. of 
used prosthetics and CGI on Patty Considine's face, or if they did a face swap kind of a thing. Looks mad legit. I mean, it's just, he's so skin and bones and it's got all the sores and I didn't, I meant to look to see about the missing arm when he's, when they, in this scene, when they move him and they roll him over to the side and they kind of sit him up and we see his back. I want to go back and look for that. But just to see what we can see, or it's probably covered with half of a robe or something, you know, to yeah, like for, you know, to do the movie magic, you know, kind of stuff. But yeah, just Save crazy to wear. Budget. And we still, he still has the bandage over his eye at this point. Yep. And we don't see the mask until he shows up in the throne room, the golden mask. And we don't oh, see God, his truth. So oh. badass. He's, we don't see his whole face, you know, until the dinner. But, uh, so we now know that this is the morning because yesterday Allison said today of all days, you know, when everybody's coming into town before the petitions that are going to be heard tomorrow when the show starts. Yep. But now we're there. We're in the next day. And, you know, but with their whole conversation about, oh, it's the morning. Oh, I'm talking about supper tonight. You, you idiot. Um, <laughs> Stampy, you idiot. <laughs> so and then, you know, the next scene or the next scene is we're in the throne room and they're about to start the official proceedings. So I didn't catch it until the rewatch. Otto is the one. Bring milk of the poppy. Yeah, he's trying to keep him we held. Exactly. We don't want the king of any clarity of mind. Especially not keep today. Him comfortable. Keep him comfortable. Yeah, to, oh, today oh. and all days. Do not, do not not give uh, Viserys milk of the poppy. Uh, so Otto says, bring it. And... Uh, Viserys says, no, just arrange the supper. (laughs) He's summoning all of his strength. Yep. Viserys has other plans for today. Yeah, he knows he needs to be clear headed. So then it cuts to the throne room and the proceeding is beginning and it starts with a shot. It's like this is the second half of the episode. Act two, I guess two acts. (laughs) But because it starts as a similar shot as the beginning of the episode, um, an overshot, a hover overhead shot above the throne, just like the Driftwood throne in the first mm-hmm. scene, but oriented oppositely. So this time it comes down to face the person on the throne instead of coming over behind. Yeah, from behind. And uh, as we're looking down towards the throne, you can see like all of the swords all over the ground pointing up around it, and they're arranged asymmetrically, uh, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. We've never seen that before. We've never seen an angle. I don't think in the original show or definitely this show, when you have all the extra swords that they put in for this period of the Targaryen reign, um, it was really cool to see all the swords and how they're spread out and how it looks different. Mm -hmm. And there's like a couple of pathways through it, you know, which you can tell. So people can approach from the like angles up towards the throne, as well as the first front path asymmetrically, you know, like staggered swords all the way around to the, to the, behind the throne to the right but not on the left so i like the whole like chaotic asymmetrical (laughs) layout which is really cool and we better see somebody impaled on all these swords by the time the series is over otherwise i'm gonna be mad (laughs) somebody needs to be impaled how crazy would it be yeah just to get somebody tossed flung in a fight just get (laughs) flung over there and just like on several of them yeah oh man that's what i'm saying that'd be crazy it'd be so cool take one through the face and another one through the back (laughs) (laughs) crazy so we've got otto sitting the throne and he's describing what's going on that we everybody hopes that Lord Corliss survives his wounds, but 
They're gathered here with the grim task of dealing with the succession of Driftmark. They just dress everything up to make it seem like, you know, there are these innocent little people who, you know, oh, the, this poor grim task. We pray for Sir Corliss's re- quick recovery, but here we are with the grim task of settling the succession of Driftmark. It's like, bitch, we like, know you and Vayman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know you and Vayman and Allison already had a meeting to determine this yeah. ahead of time. Might as well and be in his Mr. Burns just, voice. The grim exactly. task. <laughs> Twiddling his fingers. This is just a foregone conclusion, a formality that we have to go through. Yeah. So uh, he calls up Vayman to say his piece, basically, and speak his petition. And Vayman... Um, do you remember when, when in season one, when Ned sits the throne after, I guess it's after Robert has been hurt. And it's when he sends Beric Dondarrion into the Riverlands to yep. hunt down the mount. Does he give a spiel before he starts his, you know, the proceedings with a similar kind of preface? Yeah. Um, as hand, I speak with the king's voice on this and all other matters. Yeah, I believe so. It sounded familiar, and I thought of Ned yeah, Stark. I remember. Yeah, I couldn't remember if that was like a like a set thing. Like the court is in session, and now the hand has to say that. Yeah, so that probably. Everybody knows that legally that his word is the king's word. Yeah, you know about that makes sense for this proceeding. So anyway, definitely makes sense. So Vayman speaks eloquently about the history of their noble houses and. As long as the Targaryens have ruled the skies, the Valerians have ruled the seas, and how they survived the doom of Valeria, and uh, their houses are the last ones, and how he spent his whole ha- life defending Driftmark and his brother's seat, and uh, how he's Co- Corlys's closest kin, his own blood, the true unimpeachable blood of House Valerion runs through my veins, he says. So he's like saying it without saying it. <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah. This is the strong to the strong to these strong boys. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. a little more veiled than that. Uh, but yeah, this is the accusation without the blunt, outright accusation. <laughs> yeah. And he, this actor, he like he has the like a great, you know, almost Shakespearean, you yeah. know, stage actor kind of a voice. Totally. I mean, this is a stage. This is the biggest stage. Yeah, uh, this Perfect is for this the Iron Throne, and he has has a really cool accent. Uh, and his just his voice in general, the power you know of mm-hmm. his voice. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with this actor at all who plays Neither Vayman, but he's he was good, really though. really good in this scene. Definitely, especially at the end. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yells it so good. I mean, he screams it. Oh man, it's like that's what everybody you know everybody on the greens is like, and and Damon is like say it. Yeah, I was like, bro, just say somebody, please, you know, please and, just say it. Rhaenyra can't get away with with saying uh, the parentage of my sons was put loudly to question. That's still not the word that everybody's thinking of. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of Rhaenyra, <laughs> she cuts in at this point and uh-huh. cuts him off, saying that her sons are the offspring of Laenor Valerian and how if he cared so much he wouldn't be trying to supplant Driftmark's rightful heir that it's all about himself and his his ambition and this Alicent has to cut her off and remind her that it's not her turn yet <laughs> and so Vaymon yeah, absolutely I was like 
well, Allison, chill. You're not in charge of this proceeding. The hand is. <laughs> She's speaking out of turn. <laughs> the tramp is talking yeah. too much. Yeah. Uh, uh, Allison, I mean, I'm sure the hand would have intervened, you know, a moment later. Yeah. But Allison had to jump in and be like, and that's your turn. Like, come on. Uh, what's the what's the thing where like you have to pass around the totem oh. to speak in like a uh, AA media? It's not AA, but Breaking Bad. They had the pillow. I have the pillow. <laughs> yeah. Well, him and Skylar arguing or something like that. It's like him, Skylar, Hank uh-huh. and Hank's wife. And they're all it's like at the intervention and RJ and um, uh, okay. Flynn is there and they're uh. all saying their piece about how Walter needs to um, take chemotherapy. And, uh, mm. you know, eventually somebody's okay. like, I have the pillow because everybody else is yeah. talking. <laughs> <laughs> so it was Alice that was doing the it's not your turn to talk yet. Yeah. And so. Vaymond starts to be, he begins to speak again and he turns to look at Rhaenyra and she mm-hmm. won't look at him. She looks away, which is kind of funny. And, and he's like, what do you know of Valerian blood? He's like, I can cut myself and cover you with it and you wouldn't recognize it. <laughs> Luke is looking overwhelmed. Jace yeah. even looks uncomfortable, even though he's more collected in general. And uh, he turns back to the the hand and he said that it's not a matter of ambition, it's a matter of blood. And he's he's places the, the continuity of his house and bloodline above all else. You know, bl- blood, like the in, the intro to the show with all the bloodlines going everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's, so the show is all about, <laughs> I think the color and, and presentation of that intro scene could have been a little bit more dynamic, but it's a cool concept. And... Uh, so it's 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 pretty brutal. He's like, I humbly put myself before you as as my brother's successor, the Lord of Driftmark and Lord of the Tides. And I feel bad for him because he's right about everything he's saying. By falsifying mm-hmm. their lineage, the bastards are effectively stealing Driftmark and High Tide out from under the Valerians. And after everything the house has been through, it's pretty messed up, you know, surviving the doom, surviving everything. And um Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So now it's Rhaenyra's turn and she's like, well, if I'm about if I have to to grace this farce with some answer, I'll start by reminding the court that nearly 20 years ago and she's going to talk about how everybody pledged fealty to her. But before Mm -hmm. she can say anything, the doors open up and like the most legendary scene of all time. Yeah, I mean, it was really epic. I mean, it's just. Oh, my God. From an old, decrepit man. It's not like, you know, Tywin riding into the Iron Throne Room in his horse. his horse and taking a dump. After after, uh, winning uh, the Battle of Blackwater. It's this old, decrepit man. But the stand that he takes and what he does, you know, for his daughter and grandkids, you know, is really remarkable. Shows you the power of this show that they're somehow able to take just a dude walking across a room and <laughs> they just turn that yeah. into like the most intense moment. And uh, so the camera, everybody's like, Oh my God, what the hell? And 
as as Viserys begins to enter, and Otto's like, uh oh, and Allison's like, uh oh, and and Veyman just like, what the hell, guys? This isn't wasn't What's supposed to happen. <laughs> this wasn't the deal we made. And Rhaenyra's like, oh my god, and. Damon's oh, wow. like, oh he did my it. god. He showed up. Yeah, yeah. And he starts walking into the room, and you get a close-up of him, hunched over, walking along with a cane, half of his face covered by this golden yes. mask. Gold mask. Just like a harpy mask. Yeah. It's like a crab feeder mask. <laughs> yeah, a crab, crab feeder. Like Phantom of the Opera mask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, he's got, like, these epic regal royal clothes on. And... Yeah. It's just like he's like the coolest looking character in this moment of this whole series so far. Just so so badass looking, just dynamic. The shape, the colors, everything about the presentation of him in this scene is so cool. And he's just clunk clunk moving along with his cane, and they give him the full announcement: House Targaryen, first of his name, King of the Andals and the Roinar, and the First Men, Lord of the Seven Kingdoms, Protector of the Realm. And this crazy music is playing that just feels so triumphant. And there's like, it's like powerful with with moments of, of dissonance that it's like triumphant, but also like unstable at the same time. And which mm-hmm. is what he is. And they're portraying it perfectly <laughs> through the music. And it's like just like holy balls, the display of determination and will, mind over body, it's mind blowing. And he's just driven by pure love and dedication to his family and duty to his daughter and to the realm. And he, he conquers his frailty and walks on his own to the throne. And this is like one of the rare instances in this show where love and duty align. Mm, yeah wow which makes Viserys all the more powerful and admirable in his unwavering resolve and it's like the freaking man in the iron mask the phantom of the opera the phantom of the red keep you know and because uh, he's been like a ghost yeah he's probably so rarely seen you know about the red keep lately I'm sure he stays in his chambers the maesters come to him and treat his wounds yeah you know whatever food or you know smoothie kind of stuff he could eat even eat is probably all brought to him there Um, so he really probably is like the phantom phantom of the red Red keep Keep. these days and for him to show up in the middle of this official proceeding and ruin everybody's plans <laughs> is really outstanding. Really outstanding. Dude, it's so cool. The Phantom makes an appearance and uh, Rainey's is watching in like amazement. And if she had been considering siding against Viserys, um, this may be the moment where she changes her mind. She's like looking at him at the remarkable display of will and love and dedication as he walks the throne, the throne room. And then she kind of turns back forward and tilts her head down as she's contemplating everything. And she seems to be moved by his determination in the face of such adversity, the weight of the crown and of his physical condition and of the political pressure, you know, dragging him down, witnessing the horror that the stress and burden of rulership has wrought you know, is is she wondering if she'd have been up to the task as queen, you know, but either way, she's moved by his courage. And um, I think this is the moment where she decides to be loyal to his will and to back his choice of heir. Um, like 
Like he just earned it in this moment. And Allison, who had been looking apprehensive and like somebody turded in her punch bowl <laughs> as as he arrived, um, as if her plans were being spoiled. Now, all of that selfishness is like gone from her face the way I'm seeing it. And she looks just worried and sad and compassionate for Viserys. Um, she does seem to really care about him on some level. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she does care about him, but she also wants to maneuver and manipulate, you know, certain aspects of of ruling, you know, to her gain and to to her and Otto's plan. She's in the Jamie Lannister position where like you're sworn to obey the king and your husband, but you're also sworn to obey your father. And it's like what happens when your father tells you to disobey the king, <laughs> you know, when the king is right. given very specific orders. And I I don't feel like she really has chosen her alliance at this point i feel she's really like that shot from behind the chair with the three arches she which we talk about in a uh, a little earlier on she's really like caught in between a rock and a hard place and trying to navigate her way at this point and uh as the music swells viserys turns to look at rhaenyra as if to reassure her daddy's here i've got you mm-hmm and then he continues clunk, clunk with the, with the cane. And he's all hunched over and he turns to the other direction to Otto. I will set the throne today. <laughs> and he's like, your grace. your grace. And he accepts it. But as he turns away, he's like, and his, his, clenches his jaw. And you can see the mm-hmm. muscle in his jaw bulge yeah. as he's like, oh, God, this is not good. And uh, Viserys is stum- you know, working his way forward lurching and looks like he's just like carrying the world on his shoulders and the king's guard tries to help him but he denies him i'll be fine and he looks up towards the the, the steps of the throne like he's looking at at a mountain yep like it's a monumental difficulty he has yet to overcome and he begins to climb but he stumbles a little and his head lowers and the crown falls and what follows is like one of the most moving moments in all of Game of Thrones or, or Hot D where <laughs> someone arrives at his side to help him and picks up the crown and he's, he turns to kind of scold him. I said I'm fine. But he looks and it's Damon. Oh, come on. <sighs> and uh, Damon just looks at him like, I'm here. Come on. And he climbs and climbs and climbs. And Damon helps him and he's sort of carrying him. And uh, he gets him on the throne and sits down and places the crown back on top of his head. And it's just like the most epic moment. Um, Damon, yeah. you know, had been mad at Viserys for all this time for spurning him by not making him hand. And he's been acting out as a result sort of like vengefully since then but having now seen Viserys in his weakened state Damon seems to have dropped all pretenses of ill will and uh, like all he had wanted was to be at Viserys's side to help him as he said when he needed it and now in this moment he's finally able to do it like you know like uh, a little brother like he's like a loyal dog you know like not to put it like like to mm-hmm. dehumanize him but like that 
that bond between a dog and its master is like something sacred, you know, like they'll die trying to protect you. And here Damon is like showing that loyalty is there to provide the strength to Viserys when he needs it the most. Finally, just um, abandoning his ego and fully embracing the, uh, the brotherly love, you know, and it was just like an extremely impactful moment. Yeah, it really was, you know, when, when the crown falls off and then there's this like this kind of a slow hand that reaches down for it and like, oh, but, you know, I'm not, you're not thinking about his right hand has the cane, so he can't possibly oh. reach down. He don't have his That's left right. hand. That's right. I thought it was him. I noticed the hand. Like, I did too. Kind of I did too. But at, uh, in the moment, you just assume that the guy whose crown fell off, he's going to reach down. But his right hand is on the cane. And uh, it's a left hand that, that reaches down and grabs the crown. But in the moment, you don't think about all that. And then it pulls up and he tries to send the king's guard away. But then we realize it's Damon. And it's like when in the audience, when you realize that it's Damon, just the emotional weight of their relationship and everything they've been through. And it was in this room at the end of episode one where Viserys banished him after, you know, air for a day. And then he comes back after episode three, I think, after the Stepstones, he brings the ham- the crab feeder's hammer, add it to the chair, uh, presents the driftwood throne, kneels before Viserys, and there, you know, it's everything's good again. And then an episode right. later or two, uh, <laughs> He and him and Rhaenyra, Damon and Rhaenyra have their night on the town. Viserys finds out. And I think this was the last time they were both in the throne room together. Yeah. Viserys holds the (laughs) dagger to Damon's throat. (laughs) Right. After all their conversation and banishes him again. And then Damon shows back up at the wedding feast, uh, you know, uninvited and unannounced. And, you know, a table, a, a place is made at Viserys's high table for him. And now, you know, Damon's back in the Iron Throne, uh, back in the throne room, and Viserys shows up. And exactly like you said, when Viserys needed him most, you know, Damon was right there by his side. And so that was so Damon showed up at the wedding feast. So the last time they were in the throne room together was oh yeah, was I, just proved, <laughs> I just proved myself wrong after murdering Raya. Uh, so, but anyway, their their last confrontation maybe in the throne room. Um, he says, you don't want Rhaenyra. You want my throne. And, you know, we, Damon was the heir without at the very beginning before he named Rhaenyra. Damon was the heir because Viserys had no male son. So this whole time, you know, we've sort of been thinking that Damon does want the throne for himself. And he married Rhaenyra to kind of combine their claims. Um, she was still the named heir. But in this moment, we see that, you know, Damon may still want those things, you know, just from a sense of, you know, ambition and power, but he doesn't want them at the cost of Viserys and Viserys's relationship, you know, with, with Damon. So it was, I mean, just even rewatching it is, I mean, just, and just that emotional impact of Damon just there to help his brother. There was nothing else. There were no other motives or ambitions in that moment from Damon. Yep. He was just there. And, you know, he gets him up there and he sets the crown on his head, show, you know, crowning the king, literally crowning the king mm-hmm. um, in that moment. And uh, I saw, I think today or yesterday, I think it was according to Entertainment Weekly. That was not supposed to happen when they shot it. The crown dropping? The crown falling off Patty Constantine's head. It just happened. <laughs> 
and Matt, as they were shooting and Matt Smith just picked up the crown and they get, of course the cameras are rolling and they just went with it and improvised. Kind of like Jon Snow being buried in all the, the bodies at uh, the battle at Winterfell. Um, right. With, you know, with the battle. So, of the you know, it's, you know, pretty, pretty crazy and impactful so crazy. scene, you know, for Damon to step up and, and just Super. be there for his brother. Super impactful. And when, when Viserys turns and, and sees it's Damon, he's like, oh, like, <laughs> like he melts. Yeah, there's this, yeah, there's this relief. Uh-huh. And uh, the sad look of sadness when Damon is putting the crown down on his head is just like, oh, it's so brutal. And he, he places the crown and then before walking away, they both have a moment where they look at each other and Viserys is like, you're here. You know, he doesn't say it, but it's all like uh-huh. in the expressions and Damon's like, I'm here. And he sort of like hesitates before leaving his side as if regretting all the other times he's left his side and seeing now that it's too late to really be there for them for him as he should have been. Um, but Viserys just snaps right into king mode <laughs> and <laughs> hilariously, I must Admit my confusion. <laughs> Doesn't understand why this is, why we're even here, considering this is, you know, a settled succession. Um, it's the only one present who might offer keener insight into Lord Corliss's wishes as the Princess Rainey's. And uh, Rainey's looks, Rainey's looks stunned by this, having been passed over and her will ignored on so many occasions to now be honored and called on in this moment. She feels, seems to like feel seen and appreciated. And uh, if she hadn't already been moved by Viserys' display of love and dedication to family, now being seen by him and, and appreciated by him, she's got to feel something, right? And uh, so she, she's like, indeed, your grace. And she looks over at Vaymond, but quickly averts her eyes. <laughs> It's sort of hinting that this is not going to go the way that Vaymond wants it to. And she affirms that it was her husband's will that Driftmark passed through Lenor to his true-born son, and they leave us sort of hanging for a moment before she says, Lucerus Valerian. It's like, oh, shit. She's really doing it. His mind never changed, nor did my support of him. And, uh, I think that inspired by the display of Viserys's strength, she just decides to back him. I don't think in the end that it ends up being about Rhaenyra at all. I think she's moved by Viserys. Yeah, her cousin, you know, who they have so much history, you know, back to the Great Council of 101. Um, he, you know, he, he made this, this last stand, if you will, this last walk in ascent, uh, ascension uh, of the Iron Throne. And, you know, Rainey's, you know, just sees him and sees, you know, the situation with this family, with Allison and her kids and Rhaenyra and her kids and Damon. And, you know, and basically, you know, this is this was Lord Corliss' wish, you know, despite last episode, she tried to talk him into letting Driftmark pass through uh, Lena's line to the girls. And uh, Corliss said there were uh, history remembers names, not blood. So that yeah. was Corliss' wish. And. She, you know, she backs Rhaenyra and Damon, their play, you know, she backs uh, Lucerus Valerion and 
you know, announces the marriage, you know, kind of at the same time, which, you know, like we were talking about earlier, it makes strategic and tactical sense to, uh, to bring, you know, the girls into it and just kind of redouble, you know, the claim to, to the Driftwood throne. Yeah. She adds that as a matter of fact, Princess Rhaenyra has informed her of her desire to marry their sons uh, to Jason Luke to Corliss's granddaughters, Bela and Reyna, a proposal to which I heartily agree. (laughs) And Viserys is like, well, it's the matter is settled again. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's still got the wherewithal and the sense to like throw a little shade. It's like this matter is settled again yeah it's like because this is this the issue that he's been telling them like stop talking about it stop talking about it the the bastards issue basically you know like he's been threatening to cut out their tongues since the night of the dagger and uh so (laughs) he's like ah like fine this is settled again (laughs) i hereby reaffirm prince luceris of house valerian as heir to driftmark and this is when Vaymond gets mad and steps way out of line uh, yeah. for any subject. His first words here are like, do what? Like, I'm trying to, can you imagine him saying, you break law to Robert Baratheon or even Joffrey or, you know, or any to you Joffrey, know, <laughs> the mad king. Like, there's no way anybody would say that, you know, to, to the king. Yeah. And like, he said that and I was like, Oh, yeah. Faven's off the deep end. Faven's off the deep end now. Yeah. And and he says, and centuries of tradition to install your daughter as heir. So now he's relitigating, you know, past decisions. Uh, And I assume Corliss was in that procession at the end of uh, episode one, you know, where Rhaenyra is is named heir and everybody is brought to King's Landing to swear fealty, you know, to Viserys and and his heir. I remember him kneeling. So if Corliss was there, then Vayman. He may not have been there, you know, but his Lord Param or uh, va- vassals Lord. and Lord. I was thinking of another name for Lord. Anyway, um, if your Lord swells, swears fealty to, you know, the king, then you fall under your Lord and yeah. you know, so on and so forth. Hands down. So this isn't talking about Valerion and House Valerion and the Driftwood Throne and Driftmark, Lord of the Tides. He's now getting into Viserys' business. Um, and, you know, so he, he was telling him, you break law and centuries of tradition to install your daughter as heir. Yet you dare tell me who deserves to inherit the name Valerion. When they already have the name Valerion, obviously his issue is with, you know, their, their blood. Um, he says, no, I will not allow it. (laughs) I I literally did that when he said that. I'm like, Oh my homie don't care about anything. Yeah. He it's over for him. I I saw a, um, the behind the scenes thing with this actor and he was talking about how, you know, he may not always be super cool, like kind, but he's always going to tell the truth. And he knew that he had to make his last stand for the house. And if he was going to go out, he was going to go out saying the truth and saying it loud, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to respect him for that, you know, yep. big time. <laughs> and the uh, Viserys says, allow it. Do not forget yourself, Vaymond. Like this is Viserys giving him one chance. It's like, yeah. all right, that is enough. More than Joffrey would have given him. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's enough. You better watch it. And, that, and then 
Is it? Does he turn here? Yeah, he turns here. I think and points to to Luke and says, "That is no true Valerian, yeah. and certainly no nephew of mine." Oh. And like Rhaenyra knows that. Okay, this a line has been crossed. The king gave Vaymond a chance. Vaymond is continuing to press the attack. You know, for lack of a better term, spiraling and out Rhaenyra, of control. Yeah, Rhaenyra says. <laughs> she turns to Luke. Says, "Go to go to bed. Go to your chamber." <laughs> Again, she's always like, done. <laughs> She does that. She does that last episode. She does that uh, <laughs> after the kids, after the kids get into a fight, you know, at the end of this episode, she's like, that's always Rhaenyra's at the funeral mom. after party too. Yeah. At uh, Rhaenyra's go-to mom move is uh, go to bed, go to your room, yeah. go to your room. This family is about to get crazy. Everybody go to your room. Um, <laughs> and then like in the, in the same breath, uh, or let's see. She like turns to Luke says, go to your chambers. And then like kind of, says to Vaymond, you have said enough. Yeah, yeah, you've said enough. And then, then Lucera, I'm sorry, then Viserys says, Lucerus is my true-born grandson, and you are no more than a second son of Driftmark. Oof. You know, kind of putting Vaymond in his place. Um, and Vaymond will not stop. He will not back down. Um, you may <sighs> run your house as you, fe- you see fit, but you will not decide the future of mine. I mean, he just, you know, he re, kind of rehashes, you know, they've survived the doom and, you know, a, a thousand other things. <laughs> Coming to this moment, man, it's just like there's so much tension. Like last episode was just a ball of tension the whole episode. Feynman is just like, you know, attack, attack, attack. Like he's shooting missiles you know, at the king <laughs> yeah. and at Rhaenyra and at Lucerus just constantly. Uh, I will not see my uh, his talking about his line, his bloodline ended on account of this. And then everybody's waiting on it. He kind of pauses. Oh my God. And Damon says, say it. Say it. <laughs> Looking right at him. Daring him. Damon's like, just do it, man. Say it. Please, please give me a reason. Uh, her children, you know, and more dramatic, more Pauls. <laughs> and like he, he turns he had turned back to the throne, I think, right before this. And when he says her children, and then he's, <laughs> he like turns and points at Lucerus. He's a oh, bastard. <laughs> I mean, he just screams it with everything that he has. Oh, bastards. <laughs> her children. Oh, bastards. And she is. Dude, so intense and it echoes and like throughout the whole hall yeah i mean the whole hall that his voice you know that is commanding you know that shakespearean kind of voice just carries and nobody says anything for a second and you think viserys is gonna like jump up and you know like you meet like that second yeah nobody says anything but there are some gasps there's like yeah, there's <gasps> gasps and, and you know everybody's taken aback Rhaenyra's like oh lord he said it um and then Eamon Vayman gives one more jab and she is a whore <laughs> and the crown the crown princess right there in front of her father sitting on the throne like he says it all he says everything oh out my loud. god dude so crazy. And then it's like instantly now Viserys and Damon both react in the same way. It's time to draw Drives the steel. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. It's like, 
that's it. You know, you said a lot of things, you've overstepped a lot of, you know, lines in the sand and that's the one right there. It's like Viserys is like, has an adrenaline rush and he jumps up from his seat. This old weak man. Absolutely. Yeah. He stands up, you know, and, um, he draws Aegon's dagger and it's like, I will have your tongue for that. And it's like, I was like, yes, Viserys has a little bit of strength left to like take Vaymon to task. Like when I was watching it for the first time, I was like, yes, Viserys has one more king moment. Yeah. Stands up, draws his knife. I will have your tongue for that. And I mean, his King's guard is there, you know, they're going to do his bidding. And because back to Vaymond and, you know, before you can even see what's going on, it's just this sound like. I will have your tongue for that. And, and like half a second goes by and it's like, wh- what? And then his head and you pointed out in that gif, his dreadlocks, you know, get cut and start tumbling. <laughs> and his head, the top of his head slides off. And I literally yelled, like screamed out loud. I was like, oh, oh, oh my, oh, oh my God, I can't believe it. Like, that, oh, like shit. that was my literal reaction. Like I jumped like halfway out of my chair and... I could not believe it. And it's Damon with Dark Sister just sliced him. His hair is like swinging in the breeze as he spins to slice. And there's like blood starts squirting out from the, I'm watching the gif of it in slow motion and blood starts squirting out from the wound. And it's like, it's then his body starts to fall and the blood is falling at the same speed as the body. Oh man. Cause it's just free fall. Crazy, crazy. I mean, really realistic looking. Yeah. Um, and he hits the ground and his tongue is just like waggling, <laughs> dangling around. He cut it right, right in half of his mouth, like separated, yeah. the, you know, Oh man. Right at the top, uh, you know, you know, probably between his top teeth and bottom teeth. Yeah. But still where the tongue was attached, you know, to the, the rest of his body. Dude. Uh, so awesome. And that's what, you know, you, it, as the body hits the ground, you see all the gory detail and you see the tongue kind of sitting there and it kind of makes this little movement, you know, it's kind of as it hits the ground and, uh, Damon has the, the epic line. He can keep his tongue. He can keep his tongue. Oh! <laughs> oh my Boom. word, dude! Drops like, the mic. <laughs> there, I mean, there's a lot of great, satisfying moments uh, when Arya gets her revenge on on all the Frey family. Um, when oh, yeah, when John right. when John beats Ramsay Bolton to death, uh, basically before Sansa feeds him to the hounds. Um, when Arya, when Sansa uh, sentences Littlefinger to death, and then Arya, you know, just whoosh, whoosh, slits his throat with that 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 the dagger. Um, but th- like this, there was so much shock value to this, and it was so instantaneous. It so like, fast. I remember being shocked at the purple wedding. Like Joffrey starts coughing, I'm like, oh, they're go- they're faking us out. He's gonna like get some water and be fine. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. keeps coughing and keeps coughing. Nope. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's that's it. He's gonna be fine, and he's gonna get some wine, and he'll be fine. And he keeps on and keeps on. And like, I literally could not believe that Joffrey was dying. 
Like you hate him so much. He's been such a tormentor to Sansa. Uh, it's, is unbelievable Squeaking. the way he treats Tyrion, the way he treats Tyrion at the wedding, yeah. you know, you know, pours wine, you know, pours wine on his head. I mean, just everything. I, I could not, that was like a long, that was probably like a, a 60 second set piece of Joffrey choking to death. It took so long like yeah. from the, when he started coughing to, you know, Olena, Oh, help the poor boy. It's like 60 Olena, seconds. You think it's poisoning. But this was so just shocking and instantaneous. It was just like, Oh, and it highlights the grace and deftness of Damon who just appears out of nowhere, smooth moves silently and swiftly from where he is on the other side of Rhaenyra around mm-hmm. the back and came up behind him and just, whoo, and dude, the way that Amond is looking at Damon here, he's like, He's grinning like you are my role model, and someday exactly. we're going to fight. This is the guy that yeah. I want to be. The they're rogue. like they're like spitting images of each other, like Superman and Bizarro, or like um, Peter Griffin and the, the Peter Griffin with the mustache, or you know what is it? Yeah, you Mario know, like, and Wario. Yeah, 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 Mario Wario. And uh, it's funny if you just take the D off of Damon and move it to the end of the word, you get Amund. Amond. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> They're like, you know, all like twins almost. Yeah, I mean, the hairstyle, the hairstyle and everything. Like if I if I didn't know better, I would have thought that he impregnated Allison. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah, the hairstyle and everything. Oh man, man. it's just, you know, his, you know, is yeah, that that he that just it's like pure joy almost. Or I mean, it's yeah, excitement, just, but it's like Blood joy lust. and and yeah, bloodlust and just this jealousy. Like, oh man, he got to do that in front of everybody. Yeah, he's like, just like oh. that, exactly. That is you know, Amen is saying that is what I want my life to be. <laughs> <laughs> you are my role model. He's just like whoa. Yeah, that was the coolest. My nightly bloodlust has overflowed into my days. I feel lethal, on the verge of frenzy. Wild card, bitches! And somebody's like, one of the King's Guard, disarm him! And, and Damon's just like, no need. He grabs no need. his coat and just cleans off his blade. Yeah, I didn't catch that until the rewatch. Uh, you know, he's, I was just kind of looking at every, the whole scene and not focused on Damon. I, assuming he was re-sheathing his sword. But he, he took the sword and kind of took the bottom edge of his tunic or outer cloak or whatever and why he's wiping the blood off of his sword before resheathing is so epic so gangster what a moment this scene is like one of the greatest scenes of these two series of yeah you know, I mean, from the triumphal entry to i mean triumphal but <laughs> you know and viserys's you know long walk uh, yeah. and climb the throne damon <laughs> helping him the crown falling putting it back on his head i can't believe this that just happened on set like not planned perfect yeah, that's crazy. It was perfect. That was the most impactful thing because he grabs the crown and he looks up at him and like, how could they have done that moment as impactfully as that? It was accidental and it like elevated it so, so much. Right. Absolutely. So, it was, I mean, just, yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, I did see that the director of this episode said, Allison gave Deanna. Who's Deanna? Moon tea, not yes, poison. That's right. I did. So. I, you sent that um, 
in our group message thing. So that's good to know that our speculation of nefarious deeds by Alicent potentially poisoning the poor raped uh, handmaiden were, you know, in fact, misled and <laughs> just degenerate <laughs> thoughts yeah. by us. <laughs> but cool that they shot it in a way to where, you know, leave it ambiguous. Yeah. Ambiguous and yeah, potential, like potentially showing the a really, really dark side of Allison. Yeah. To tie up loose ends like that. Totally. Speaking of Allison, at this moment, Viserys, who's still standing up with dagger in hand, now that the situation has been handled and the adrenaline is starting to wear off, he's overcome by pain oh you know and he stumbles back into the chair and like a dutiful caring wife allison rushes the throne you know from out of nowhere she runs up there and grabs him and, and in her arms and and calls out for the uh the, the maesters uh you know call the maesters and rhaenyra runs up behind father and uh she's trying to convince viserys to take milk of the poppy but he won't do it he's like he can't he he knows that he's like this is he probably like has some idea that this is summoning all of the last of his strength you know and he's not going to be alive much longer after this and he he won't relent until he finishes his mission and puts things right as he says and he's like I, well i will not cloud my mind i must put things right he knows the dinner is coming up tonight and he, he, he doesn't even want milk, any milk with a poppy, you know, potentially clouding his judgment for yeah. the dinner. So he's, he's got to put things right. He knows it's yeah, coming he put and things he's right. He's going to he, do it. He still won't let himself take, you know, any pain medicine to, uh, because of what he, you know, that speech he gives at the beginning of the dinner. Yeah. It's so good, man. His desire to just bring everybody together and to end this term, interminable infighting, <laughs> you know, just surpasses over. This is like a, I know it's fictional, but it's a prime example of mind over body, you know? Yeah. Um, that's a very, I, I alliteration is, has to be pretty unusual, interminable infighting. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh yeah. Yeah. It's just, I was going to try to add another I, but I, this, the wrong uh, word. Incessant interminable infighting. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, I love that word. This incessant. incessant interminable infighting insanity. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> so good. So yeah, the maesters come and ca carry him out uh, with with the king's guard. Probably I can't remember who carries him because I was so fixated on on Rhaenyra. And Alicent, who are Alicent standing by the throne and Rhaenyra is standing at the base of the throne. And for this moment, they're like, forget each other exist entirely. And they're both just fixated on on Viserys as he leaves. And mm -hmm. they don't have a moment where they turn to stare at each other and grill each other or anything. They both just care about Viserys and watch him get carted off. And uh, it's pretty intense, like <laughs> pretty pretty intense moment it seems like allison like i said before really does care about viserys you know so yep definitely and you know after all this and vayman loses his head or most of it um this was actually a little bit more low-key than what happens to vayman in the books really because rhaenyra has daemon take his head and then she feeds vayman's body to Cyrax. 
Oh, she feeds his body to Cyrax? She feeds his corpse to her dragon. Oh, oh man. Come on, HBO. Come on, Ryan Condal. Come on, Zapachnik. <laughs> yeah, step up we your game. Need, we need Cyrax chomping down on some Valerion. Totally, totally. Super gnarly. Yeah, super gnarly. <laughs> the other cool thing about this scene, too, is that Viserys gets up and he pulls the dagger like he's going to take Faemon's tongue, but he's so weak and feeble. And so when uh, when Daemon steps up and slices his head, it's like he's executing the king's will at that moment, Uh, going a little bit farther than taking his tongue. But the same type of sentiment, you know, he's there to help (laughs) Viserys when he needs the help to undertake this task of (laughs) punishing Faemon on the spot. Absolutely. And uh, he, that's what he was trying to do. He was aiming for Veyman's tongue. He just, you know, cut a little bit high and a little bit more. Of the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, uh, in, the, in the Marine Corps, we called it your grape. Put your cover on your grape. Under. Cover is your hat and your grape is your head. Oh. Your, your, the, the, your helmet is called your Kevlar. And if you walk around without your Kevlar on, without your having your helmet on, you know, and a combat zone or whatever. It's like, put your Kevlar on your grape. So, <laughs> Veyman got his grape sliced. <laughs> yeah, big time. Fruit Ninja style. <laughs> so awesome. So next it cuts to the cleaning of Veyman's corpse. And uh, I'm wondering, why do you think Rainey's is just staring at him like this? Staring at him. Right. Yeah, th- this was, it was pretty puzzling as to like, like, what is she doing? Like, you know, Orwell tells her, you know, it's ill luck to look upon, you know, the the face of death and, you know, really great writing, you know, and she says, you know, I've seen the stranger many times. He doesn't care if my eyes are open or closed. I was like, that's such a cool line from her. She's so stoic and regal. I mean, I guess since that's Corliss' brother, she feels a responsibility to, you know, for the body. I, I mean, I guess to make sure that. It gets prepared and yeah. taken back to Driftmark. Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, I'm not sure because. She had a sort of I mean, interesting she, look in her eyes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the, the camera kind of zooms way in on her yeah, and all fish the candles are. Yeah, this kind of, yeah, fisheye look with all the candles in the background. Really cool and, shot. Like, I'm, not, I'm not sure what they were going, like what they were trying to convey, you know, through her experience with Veyman's body here. I have a couple ideas. She may have been looking at it, looking at him and thinking, you know, he made the wrong choice and ended up dead. That could have been me if I made the wrong choice and backed him in this scene. Mm. She could be thinking about, you know, the future and the the inevitable conflict that's coming and looking at his dead body to steal herself for the war to come. Um, when they, they cut to that fisheye lens view with the candles it's like she's surrounded by fire in all directions symbolizing the danger that's around um yeah. i don't know you know but i like that cool fisheye lens shot <laughs> obviously fisheye 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 it was cool it's you know rarely used you know in this type of show um yeah rarely used but this one was really cool you could tell it was a fisheye because the candles were like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Pointing. Do, do this you know yeah. kind of circular motion yeah yeah, really cool. Yeah, so now it's supper time, and we find ourselves in a nice dinner hall. Uh, I don't recognize this set. Do you? Mm-mm. It's you know, in in the wedding feast, it was all set up in the throne room there, 
but but this is a smaller, more intimate. I mean, it's still plenty big. It's yeah. a big table. They got like, you know, 16 people maybe uh, sitting at the table. Maybe not that many. Yeah. Um, and everybody's got plenty of elbow room. So this is, you know, some kind of probably there. And it's smaller than Allison's chambers where she eats with Ver- well, not Varys, Laris. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, seems smaller than Viserys's bedchamber and his model city, you know, his solar or whatever George calls them That's in the book. That's a cool word. Um, but yeah, this seems to be some sort of like a formal dining room somewhere in the Red Keep. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And the, the kind of setup uh, with the framing as we arrive, it's got Rhaenyra on the right and Alicent on the left. <laughs> and uh, So have you noticed how Alicent and Rhaenyra's positioning all throughout this episode in the throne room, here at dinner, um, on the sides of the bed? that Rhaenyra and Damon are on. Mm. And then at the end of the episode, Angels Allison and devils is on, on his shoulders, but Allison and Rhaenyra are always on, uh, Viserys's good side where he still has an eye. Oh, right. And the, and team black, I'm oh, sorry, team green. Allison comes to his, the other side of his bed at the end of the episode. Right. Speaking from the darkness and whispering. Yeah. And here at dinner, they're on his right. Allison and Otto and all the greens are on Viserys's right. Where his face is rotting and yeah. his eyeball is missing. So it seems like, you know, the the symbology and the imagery of on the dark side. The people who like the greens on the internet are, you know, kind of mad that the showrunners seem to be heavily, heavily favoring the blacks. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean Damon and Rainero still have their issues. Damon and Rainero still are, you know, are not without fault. And, and you know, he who is without, without sin cast the first stone. But with this, you know, symbology with Viserys's rot and missing an eye on his right side, uh, his although it's his left arm that's missing and his right arm has the cane as he's walking in. <laughs> but anyway, all, over. Uh, all throughout the episode, Damon and Rhaenyra are on Viserys's left uh, where he can see him and his face is mostly whole. And uh, Allison and the Greens are on the rotting side. Yeah, that plays a role, too, when Allison visits him at the end of the episode because she mm-hmm. can't see her. You know, and we'll yeah. talk about that shortly. But, yeah, I was getting some um, Last Supper vibes from the layout of the table here with Definitely. Rhaeny- Rhaenyra and Damon and then Allison and Otto and Viserys in the middle. Um, definitely Last Supper vibes. I'll have to look in the back and see if there's a triptych with three doorways right behind the t- <laughs> by the table. That would be a, like a or, dead uh, ringer. One of the what is it? One of the disciples is like doing the neck thing in Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper. Oh, really? Like, uh, is it Peter or Judas? I, or, I mean, obviously Judas is the traitor, but one of the disciples in the painting is making this like, and it's. I think they bring it up in the Da Vinci Code movie where it's like it means that the secret to the crypt is. Over here, oh, so. <laughs> nice. <laughs> or in the National Treasure, one of those kind of movies that's like trying to figure out these hidden symbols in this ancient art to guide us to the treasure or whatever. So good. I love both those movies. Yeah. Uh, to to be fair to the writers, though, I do think they portrayed Allison fairly um, well in this as being neutral and you know not quite evil. And <laughs> it's it's the kids. It's it's the kids that are that are like the driving force of this whole thing now. Right. They've the you know, the adults have poisoned the kids mind for all these years. So now 
that the adults are, you know, ready to try and make amends. It seems, you know, at this dinner, the kids are just, you know, too far down the path of, you know, hating and just, you know, having this pent up, especially Amond, you know, after, you know, the grievous wounds he suffered, he's just, he has nothing but hate and angst, you know, for Luke and Jace and Rainier and their side. Yeah. So did you notice the cane that Viserys has? It looks like there's like a dragon head or something. It's white. It's like this ivory looking material. I think it's like the like the upper body of Balerion. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Looks probably carved out of Balerion bone or something. Um, yeah, I think about dragon bone. Is, dragon bone bow is that a a thing in the book or a? There's some kind of bow that the people from Sothorios use. Oh, some yeah. islanders hmm. and. Somebody's on one of their ships, Samwell. Maybe somebody's on a ship oh. to Old Town in the books, and they're on a. I can't remember if they get shipwrecked or they just pick up their ship, and they're talking about some kind of special bow. It seems like one of the wildlings talks about it too. Maybe, but anyway, you said dragon bone, and that made me. I think it's a dragon bone bow. After that does sound familiar. I don't recall exactly though. They have a dragon. Yeah, his cane was cool. Oh yeah, really cool. I love seeing like the respect to Balerion. I'm imagining it's Balerion in my head cannon. You know, it's got to be right. Yeah, I mean that was he. That was his dragon, and he was yeah. the last one to ride him. Recently deceased makes sense. They would honor him. Um, so yeah, we got everybody here. We have a prayer before they begin. Viserys, just such good acting. How good it is to see you, you all tonight together. <laughs> you know, struggling through, pushing through the pain. Um, who says the prayer? Oh, it's uh, Allison. Did she? May the mother smile down upon this gathering with love. May the smith mend the bonds that have been broken for far too long. You know, like this, that's what Viserys is trying to do. It seems like she genuinely is, you know, trying. And uh, and to Vaymond Valerian, may the gods give him rest. <laughs> and <laughs> and Damon is like. Pfft. What are you talking about, Vaymond? Come yeah, on. I thought he was going to like chuckle out loud like he yeah. did uh, during Lena's eulogy. You googly. googly and, uh, but he actually doesn't make a sound. He just he opens his eyes and visually, you know, we see him smirk and kind of almost roll his eyes, it seems like. Man, but he I doesn't, love Damon. He doesn't outright. He's like. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> or Peter Griffin laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah golden oh sorry sorry so golden heart bow is what it's called um oh. rare dragon bone bows are highly sought after as they can outrange even the golden heart bow of the summer isles okay so they're two different things so a dragon bone uh is black due to its high iron content oh interesting. Uh, used to make many items of value because of its rarity and its special properties uh, strong as other metals, such as steel, yet lighter and more flexible. Mm. So a dragon bone bow, it seems like the top tier bow of Westeros, perhaps. <laughs> Man, that'd be so cool. And then maybe just underneath that is the golden heart bow of the Summer Isles. Interesting, because I was thinking, you know, it's it's like white on the that the head of the cane is made from. Right. And I I have that copy of um, the Cat's Paw Dagger and the hilt is black with dragon bone. But then when we see Balerion's skull in the basement area of the keep, it seemed to not quite be black, to be lighter in color. 
Right. Yeah. Those, I mean, it's, they're down in the crypts, you know, and it's so dark anyway. Maybe they it, like yes. painted it to make it visible. Yeah, hard to tell <laughs> you know? what color it is just in that all the candlelight. Yeah. So uh, Viserys is all excited. This is a cele- an occasion for celebration. And he brings up how his grandsons, Jace and Luke, are going to be marrying their cousins, <laughs> Westeros, Bela and Reyna. Um, actress playing Bela is quite beautiful. I will say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both kind of you know, really a, a striking image of their mother. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And so uh, good casting in that way. Yep. And uh, so he's excited about the further strengthening of the bond between their houses. And the new couples are seeming to get along really well, being nice to each other and everything. Mm-hmm. We have a toast to the princes and their betrothed. And uh Aegon, right off the bat, is being a little bastard, being a little shit. He's taunting Jace about being a virgin and, uh, you know, saying, you know, you know, you don't know where to put the cock, right? You're like, you know how this is <laughs> how this is supposed to go down. And uh, Jace has a very well-mannered and proper uh, re- reply to him. Like, you can play the jester if you wish. But hold your tongue before my betrothed. <laughs> you know, he's so like Jace is he's a he's a compelling character. He seems upbeat, he seems happy, he seems enthusiastic and charismatic, he seems uh well mannered and eloquent and dutiful and um responsible. And so uh I like Jace. I like Jace. I think that's gonna be I think everybody's gonna like Jace. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, he, you know, yeah, he definitely seems likable. And even as as Aegon continues to to pry and kind of push him and try to push his buttons and get a reaction, um, for the most part, you know, he keeps his cool. Um, even after, you know, a second time when Aegon continues to be, you know, rude and unchivalrous uh, around his betrothed. He briefly loses his cool. but <laughs> Yeah. And he kind of, you know, keeps it, you know, gets it back under control. Yeah. Um, well, done. And even like, so Aegon is, is the oldest son of the King, but uh, you know, obviously he's, he's acting like a complete turd, but um, <laughs> yeah. before, before Jaceres reacts, Bela says, uh, let it be cousin. Like she's trying to like, you know, keep the peace between the boys. Yeah, she's and telling then he's like, chill. yeah, be a fool. You know, Jay, Jay says, be a fool if you want, but you know, Quit being so rude, you know, quit talking, you know, nasty in front of my girl. <laughs> That's my job. I'm the nasty. I'm the dirty talker. Yeah. Show some respect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I think here is, is where Viserys stands up and, um, you know, slowly and kind of the cutler, the forks and knives, you know, as he's kind of bracing himself on the table and he stands up. And he doesn't take the mask off yet, I don't think, Mm-mm, because that's yet. a little bit into his uh, into his speech. But he as he talks and the way the cutout around the mouth is from that golden mask, just the way the mask interacts with his face. You know, it's, just, it's really cool that that mask is our half mask. It's you know, it's so a really awesome. cool design with his clothes and the mask and the crown the and the cane and the, uh, the hair and everything. The overall aesthetic, I think, is in my top yeah. three character designs for all of Game of Thrones and House of the it's Dragon. really good. Maybe my favorite. Nice. At the dinner, does he have the crown on or no? I have to go back to look. I don't think he does. 
Probably not, because he takes off the mask and it's just, he, you know, he doesn't take the crown off. Yeah, there's nothing the else mask. on his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. I don't think. Cool. <laughs> um, we hear uh, Reyna encouraging Prince Lucerus as well. Uh, he says, let us toast as well Prince Lucerus, the future Lord of the Tides. And uh, Reyna is like, you'll be great. You'll be great. You know, so... They seem to like have a good relationship. They've been sort of buddy buddy ever since the, <laughs> the the eyeball incident. It seems. Yeah, yeah. They stood up. Yeah, they stood up for the girls. Yeah, the girls were already like coming to them for support in the middle of the night, waking them up. You know, out of everybody. So it seems like they have already had like a special little bond. Um, kind of weird that it's turned from cousins to husbands and wives. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, we just got to roll with it because it's Westeros. And I think it's legal in a few states. <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Alabama. Sorry, Alabama listeners. <laughs> you know, and he, he stands up and, and starts his speech. And, you know, he says that, you know, he's happy that they're all there. But also he's sorrowful, you know, to see everybody here because, you know, these are the people that he loves, you know, most in, in the whole world. But, you know. Uh, Rhaenyra and her crew moved off the Dragonstone years ago and, you know, probably they don't come back to King's Landing very much, if at all. Um, so they've grown so distant from each other. And obviously the incident at Driftmark, you know, with the dagger and, oh, at one point when, uh, I think it's when Alicent goes to greet Damon and Rhaenyra at the beginning, you know, near the beginning of the episode, um, when Alicent says, oh, it's been so long since we've been graced, with you know, presence. with the present, with the, your presence, <laughs> like we zoom in and see the scar on yeah, uh, Rhaenyra's left arm. Wrist and, she kinda, <gasps> and then she kind of moves it. Yeah. And kind of, you know, puts her hands on her belly, you know, because she's pregnant. But that was a, that was a cool detail to, to where we, we see the scar yeah. and just how, how that scar is still a, a scar on their relationship, yeah. obviously. I mean, how could you not hold a grudge with somebody that came at you with the dagger? And if it wasn't a grudge, there was at least a little bit of PTSD, the way she kind of like realized that the scar was showing and jumped like she jumped a little bit, you know, like. Yeah, it's like um, the Allison who gave you the scar yeah. is like, oh, she's here. I don't want to let her see my injuries, my scars. You want to know how I got these scars? Yeah. And yeah. So as Viserys is speaking here, it's it's so sad and. Because like like we've talked about a million times at this point, he's been able to keep the entire realm together, but he just can't like the thing he cares about most, which is his family. He just can't get him to to be happy and to appreciate each other and to love each other. This interminable infighting is just this. <laughs> it's just driving him crazy. And so this is the point where he takes off his mask, mask right? Yeah, he, st he starts to mess with it. And I think the first person we see like, in the shot where he's starting to take it off, we see Allison and she has this look that's sort of like, oh, oh, no. Oh, God, he, he's going to take the mask off. Please, please. You know, like Michael Scott. No, God, no, please, no, <laughs> no, God, no, God, please, no, no, no. No, no. I interpreted no. that look differently. I was I thought oh, it was nice. I thought it was just like, oh, God, like. The wound is so grievous. I thought she just felt bad for him. Like, oh, yeah, it was so, pity. It was pity. So brutal. But yeah, like we're at dinner. Come on. You're going to show us your hole. <laughs> yeah, I think it shows like Aegon and Aemond and then some of the some of the blacks. Makes sense to show Aemond, right? Because he's missing an eye also. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's like shows is. Viserys taking off the mask and Aemon is like, oh, like I can relate to this, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if Aemon's eye, like the actual eyeball is still there. And it's just like white. Some people that are blind in one eye, it's like because of an injury, the eyeball just kind of goes white or like a frosted over kind of look. Yeah. Or His if, eyeball the, if the maesters, yeah, if the maesters remove the whole eyeball, so it's like Viserys and he has an empty eye socket. Underneath. It seems to me that the eyeball is still in there just because in the scene where we get the reveal of the stitches and the, the giant cut over his face, Alicent is not sure, like, will the eye survive? And the maester's like, uh, the eye's got done. It's gone. Yeah, but, he'll never see again, but yeah. he still probably has the eyeball itself. In, yeah, because in if the maester had taken the eyeball out, Alicent would have already known, I think. Like, she would have been yeah, informed about that. So, and he had already stitched him up at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like the eyeball is still in there. Or, or if he has, like, a glass eye, like uh, the congressman Dan Crenshaw, he has this glass eye, this black and it has a, he was a Navy SEAL and it has like a uh, eagle with a trident, which is the Navy SEAL symbol. Oh, really? And he has that as a glass eye. It's pretty, it's really creepy looking, but it's pretty interesting. Wow. I've never seen the actual eyeball of his or the, you know, the glass eye. Yeah, but just people without, like, I, was, <laughs> I remember I was probably 10 years old before I saw a person out at, you know, Walmart or somewhere that they didn't have an eye patch. They didn't have a glass eye. It's just this empty socket. And I remember I like, I was like, <gasps> like my, mom, my, 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 my mom, I think probably covered my mouth because she thought I was about to be like, look at that guy. Yeah, yeah, right. got no <laughs> the one of, the so. first time I really thought about it was reading Goosebumps books from oh, back nice. in the day. I remember there was one called The Beast from the East. And the, this beast in there, this creature, is scratching the inside of his eye socket because he's missing an eye and it itches. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this is cool. So anyway, it was, man, that, I mean, this. Did you hear Alt face. Shift X? Sorry to cut you off. Did you hear no, Alt Shift X? He seemed to be saying that he's missing an eye. Yeah, I heard him say something at one point and then like, something yeah. else later in in his yeah, he was talking about like oh i can relate i know what it's like to not have depth perception because he was talking about daemon fighting with one eye against the mace and he's yeah. like yeah you need depth perception i know you don't have it with one eye because i i know and then later he yeah. said like oh I, they're talking about a face reveal and he was like everybody gets all excited about that i don't know if you'd want to see my eye patch though like so apparently alt shift x only has one eye uh, respect to your brother. Pretty cool. Sorry about that. The, um, um, oh, I mean, his. There's one other thing, real quick. Sorry. Um, no, you fine. I had a. I saw an interesting thing one time with this guy who it was on like Stan Lee's super super superpowers or something. Uh, Superhumans super or humans. something like that. Yeah, there you go. I maybe on that. Maybe something else. This guy has like a collection of glass eyes, you know, and and they're not like full eyes. They're just like the front piece of the eye so they have like they're all have a different back shape and everything they're all different shaped and he swallows them like 12 of them and he, and he uses his stomach to sort them and regurgitates them one by one oh, in like the correct order <laughs> it's crazy that, that is <laughs> disgusting feel with his stomach it's bonkers <laughs> but yeah this Barf. is his big darth vader moment right yeah Tonight. he takes the mask off yeah. and we see that just just 
we don't know what to expect. If it's going to be like a Harvey Dent, uh, Gus Fring situation where like half of his face is just like mutilated or what's going on. And there is some of that, like a part of a big piece of his cheek is missing. Yeah. And there's wow, just this really good gap, graphics too. this gaping eye socket with yeah. nothing in it. You can see the tendons pulling like in his cheek. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like super crazy. Just this once, let me look upon you with my own eyes. <laughs> you know? Oh no, that's Darth Vader. Just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. <laughs> Tonight, I wish you to see me as I am. My own face is no longer a handsome one. If indeed it ever was. But tonight, I wish you to see me as I am. Not just a king, but your father, your brother, your husband, and your grandsire, who may not, it seems, Walk for much longer among you. Man, that was intense. Like he scans the room with the gaping hole with his eyeball and he just looks so rugged. You can't see all the way through his cheek to his teeth, but the whole outer flesh is gone. You can see the yeah, tendons and everything. See everything underneath. And tensing and man, that was cool. Um, not just a king. But your father, your brother, your husband, he like his voice cracks mm-hmm. and your grandsire who may not, it seems, walk for much longer among you. He knows that he's on his last legs, so to speak. And this he's summoning all of his strength to make things right. And uh, his delivery in this part is so full of emotion and so raw and like his voice is cracking and wavering. And you can tell how important this is to him that he wants them to understand like how, what, how much it means for, to him for them to, to get along and to just put everything aside and just try, you know? Let us not hold ill feelings in our hearts. The crown cannot stand strong if the house of the dragon remains divided. But set aside your grievances, if not for the sake of the crown, then for the sake of this old man who loves you all so dearly. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's just so, I mean, he, you could just tell that this is this plea, this last desperate plea from this old man, this old King. I mean, this just comes from the depths of his heart. I mean, how much he cares about everybody and he really does. He just get along, just please get along with each other. Yeah. Put every, you know, we've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. Please put the, put all that aside. And just for me, for this old man, be kind to one another and try to reset your relationships with each other going forward and try to just make peace and keep peace. Yeah. And it's a really moving uh, little speech. And you can see like the camera cuts to Rhaenyra and you can see her like putting aside her ego and like tamping down her anger and everything. And she's the first one to break the ice with a toast. And uh, she sucks up her pride and really does 
as Viserys wishes. And at first through this whole scene, you know, with all the making up, I was thinking that it was just for show or in front in front of Viserys right. just to give him what right. he wants. But I think she really meant it. And I think that that Alicent really means it. And I'm getting ahead of myself. So she raises her cup to toast the queen and admits ah. that no one has stood more loyally by her father's side than than Alicent, his his good wife, she says. And um, she loves her father and and she she appreciates Alicent's unfailing devotion, love and honor that she tended to him. And and she says that she has her gratitude and her apology. So she apologizes. And it's like a mm-hmm. a big moment. And Alicent follows suit and sucks up her pride and seems to really seems to truly embrace love and forgiveness here. And she, she says, you're. Your graciousness moves me deeply, princess, <laughs> which is a good line conveying her mindset. Um, we are both mothers. We both love our children. We we have more in common than we sometimes allow. I raise my cup to you and to your house. And then the big line, mm-hmm. which really tells her, her mindset at this moment, you will make a fine queen. She's relenting and relinquishing um any ambitions for for Aegon and herself. But like I said, I think she knows Aegon is a shit. I think she's sick of her dad pushing her around as we see her sort of resisting him earlier on in the episode about Vaymond and being caught in between the factions with the three arches in the back of the chair shown in the middle. And uh, I think Alicent as well, like when she first sees Viserys coming into the throne room, she looks apprehensive like someone is spoiling her party. But then she seems to be really moved by his dedication and strength and then by his toast here and Rhaenyra's toast and seeing Viserys' strength and honor. I think she really came to respect him. And I think that like Rhaenys, who seemed to be moved by his display of courage and and um, relentlessness here, um, I think that Alicent is impressed by Viserys and chooses to abide by his wishes in his honor and to let Rhaenyra succeed him. And uh, she seems, it seems to me like she's really willing to forgive and to forget here to unify the house and um, everybody's toasting. I think so. You know, as much as I dislike Allison, you know, she seems like she, so Rhaenyra for the love of her father is willing to push down her pride you know, stand up and be the first one, you know, to toast Allison and her love and devotion for Viserys. And Allison's, you know, true love for Viserys is, you know, pushing her to, like you're saying, to try to make peace. And again, that last line, because a few episodes, I think the, when we first meet, you know, middle-aged Aegon, because we go from baby Aegon, you know, at the Royal Hunt to <laughs> the Waika in the window, and <laughs> the, the pink dread in the window. Yeah. Yeah. And then she says, you are the challenge, Aegon. You are the challenge. She grabs him by the face. So right there, I mean, we see Alicent's, you know, designs for, for Aegon and his future in the throne. Not even necessarily her designs, but just the fact that she knows that his mere existence will cause other people to uh, be ambitious. You know, to him. Yeah. So it doesn't even necessarily reflect her own feelings, just the fact that she recognizes the, the, the dynamic amongst the, the kingdoms and how yeah, people will react. Aegon's like, 
you know, fine then I won't challenge her, but she's trying to push him and motivate him to be not, you know, the turd that he is. It's like, you are the challenge. Um, so, you know, at that point, it seemed like she wanted Aegon, you know, to potentially challenge Rhaenyra. They didn't have a legal way to maneuver it. But at the end of the episode, you know, you know, we're going to see what happens next week. But anyway, you know, the confusion with Aegon and Aegon and Aegon. I don't know anything. <laughs> so. Oh, no. no, just about the end of the episode and, and, and oh, how about the yeah, his yeah, yeah. conversation and how that's going to change Allison going forward. Right. That's but, sucks. Um, Oh man, just just confusion. Like I hate confusion like that in shows. And it's like yeah. we, the audience, we know what he's talking We're about. Screaming at the TV. Yeah, Allison doesn't know what he's talking about, and he thinks he's talking to Rhaenyra. But anyway, so you know. But in this moment, you know, before everything goes south at the end of the dinner, you know, Allison says, "You will make a fine queen," and that kind of s- tells everybody in the room, you know, especially Aegon. I'm surprised we didn't. Did we get a reaction shot to Aegon in this moment? I don't remember I don't recall. it. When she says, you will make a fine queen. And I would think that, you know, Aegon, you know, Dwight Schrute would be like, Ooh, oh yeah. man, I'm glad that's over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah right. I don't have to worry about being king one day. I can just sit back, relax and, uh, you know, rape some more people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so. There seems to be, you know, some goodwill from both sides, um, giving and receiving uh, in this moment. Um, yeah. And then this, then the scene goes to uh, Dwight Schrute. Uh, I mean, Aegon. Um, <laughs> and again, he, he's be, he's even being more rude uh, yeah. to uh, Bela. And um, he comes over. Oh, he drinks. So sort of like Tyrion, you know, everybody else just like takes a little sip when there's a toast. Aegon's like, glug, 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 glug. Oh, I didn't I notice. Mean, That's funny. Yeah, he finishes the glass and then he gets up and goes over to the little decanter that has more wine in it. And that's when he has this little sidebar conversation with Bela. He gets in between Jace and Bela, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if you ever, you know, sorry you're about to be disappointed from this, you know, rookie uh, in bed. <laughs> if, if you ever wish to be well satisfied, all you have to do is ask. And, um, <laughs> This Jay, this is pushes Jace over the line, and he's ready. He stands up and he's about ready to fight. Boom! He smacks and, the uh, table. Yeah, Aegon sits back down, and then he kind of Jace composes himself a little bit. Somebody says Jace to calm him down. Is it Rhaenyra or I think it was Bela. Oh, Bela. Yeah, I can't remember. Rhaenyra and Damon look at him. He snaps back into it quick, man. Yeah, really quick. And uh, Jace picks up his cup. Aemon stands in opposition too. Jace stands up and then Eamon stands up at the opposite side That's of the right. table. That is when he first stands up because Eamon's Aym- ready to say, all right, we're standing up. We're ready to fight. Yeah, he's Let's just go. ready to go. And he's like, dude, you just say the word and I'm ready to go. Like, <laughs> Yeah, Eamon is that friend who like no matter what happens or how bad you're in the wrong, he's still going to stand up and fight for His you. His shirt comes you know, off, you know. <laughs> the brawler. Yeah, yeah, ready to brawl at a moment. <laughs> Any second the shirt could come off and it's on. But then I guess he at some point Eamon sits back down in the middle of Jace toast. Um, at some point, you know, yeah. he, he toasts Prince Aegon and Prince Aemond and talks about their the memories of their shared youth. That's and, a sad part, too, because it seems like Jace really does want to put let bygones be bygones. And he is hoping for to be at friends and allies as adults, you know? Yeah, that friends and allies. Man, that's, that's such a. I mean, it's a pipe dream, but, you know, only if, you know, if they could work together and be 
friends and allies in the future. It's like Sansa, the songs, you know, like <laughs> fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. 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 If only. Um, I think he was sincere, but you could look at that comment about having fond memories of our shared youth. And he's like, I have fond memories of our shared youth. And Aegon's like, fond memories? You cut my fucking eyeball out. You know, like. Amen. Oh, yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. You know, so he's, yeah, he doesn't have such fond memories. He's like, fond yeah. memories? You picked on me and <laughs> gave me a, a freaking pig for a dragon. You cut my eyeball out. You know, he was always yeah. the butt of the, the, the bad situations, it seemed. And everybody was having fun except him. Um, so they may have had different views of these fond memories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, they, everybody drinks to their family, you know, the, the greens, you know, good health, uh, dear uncles. Mm-hmm. Um, Egon musters some strength to <clears throat> and you as well, you know, <laughs> like yeah, forces himself yeah. to comply and be friendly. Exactly. And then we get, uh, Helena's, you know, cryptic moment of the episode. Yeah. Beware the beast beneath the boards. Um, she's talking about the little mice creeping around the keep. I guess, you know, it could be that, you know, some people say, and Oh, it's not floorboards because the red keep is stone made of stone and masonry. So it's not beneath the floorboards, like cupboard, like beneath the boards, like a cupboard or cabinetry or yeah. I don't know if it's just in general, this brewing storm, this beast of a storm that's just brewing, beneath the boards of life. Maybe because we didn't have any context to understand the he'll have to close an eye first comment when she was handling the centipede. Yeah. Well, that one, I knew what she was talking about because I did remember what happens with Amon. But, but the regular audience didn't, you know, so we didn't have context to understand it until a later episode. So that's what I'm saying here. Maybe it's like something that we won't understand until, until later on when we have the context to know what boards she's talking about, basically. Definitely. The beast beneath the boards. It's such a creepy moment. Like, everybody's smiling, happy, and she's, beware the beast beneath the boards. You know, <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa, what, what's going on, creepy girl? <laughs> yeah, then she stands and, and toasts Bela and Reyna and has this kind of this funny moment of, of honesty, like, Team <laughs> Helena. Team <laughs> Helena. Yeah, I liked Helena. She just seems so innocent. And, you know, she's married to her brother who's awful. And um, she's well spirited, though. Yeah, definitely well spirited. And, you know, he mostly just ignores you, except sometimes when he's drunk. It's like, oh. And Aegon's kind of like. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> and uh, Aegon, or, or this is when Viserys asks for music, right? And the yeah. band strikes up immediately without even a count off. You know, they just boom. They know what song they're playing. They know the tempo. They know, the, they know everything. Yeah. Ready? Go. Yeah. Yeah. And so this this is a really powerful moment here. As the music plays, Viserys is looking around and seeing everybody smiling and enjoying their time together. Rhaenyra is laughing with Daemon. Otto is cheering on Helena, dancing with uh, with. Jace, Jace. Uh, who grabs her the and marriage. they're bouncing around and jumping around and she looks all happy and and then uh, the marriage that the marriage that could have been yeah, uh, Jace right? and Helena yeah that's like giving us a glimpse into an alternate future if uh, if things had played out differently so that was kind of cool I like I'm glad you mentioned that um, and uh, so he uh, Viserys is watching everybody happy and everybody getting along and the music is playing and everybody's smiling everybody is happy everybody's joking for the first time in forever 
And as he looks around and it like realizes this, he has this moment where he like, oh, he kind of like, it's like a combination of a sigh and a cry. He's like overcome with sorrowful joy and a look of overwhelming relief as he believes he's finally accomplished his mission of setting things right. And he's like looking around the room and he just kind of oh, collapses back into the chair in like this moment where like he's like, I can relax now. I've done yeah, it. I've done yeah, it. Yeah, finally. Yeah, his life's work, his last mission in life, you know, was to see peace, you know, in his house and in his family. Yeah. And he had, a, you know, he continued Jaharis's long peace uh, in, you know, throughout the realm. And, but there's been this, you know, interminable insanity <laughs> infighting uh, in his house. And he finally, he's begged on me, everybody's here for dinner. And he, gave this moving speech, please be kind to one another, put aside your old differences. And it worked. It worked. It, it's like, we got it. And he smiles just for a moment. We've avoided the war. We've avoided the war. Yeah. And so he's like, oh. for a moment, he sighs. And like, you can see that he's just overcome with joy that, that it worked. And he's re- the relief is palpable. And Rhaenyra and Allison look at each other across him and they smile at each other. And they like with, it looks like their look is like of genuine love and affection. Like we can make this work. We can be friends again. And, uh, you know, it's been stressful for Alicent this whole time, because you remember back in the Godswood after the initial question of the succession and, uh, Rhaenyra was pouting by the tree and the, the band, the, uh, the bard was playing the music like a jukebox, mm-hmm. the same song over and over. And, and Allison was like, come on, like, we don't have to be enemies. Like, you know, we we can be friends. It doesn't have to be this way. Mm-hmm. She, at that point, she didn't want to have anything to do with like the crown and the succession. It was, yeah. you know, it was pure innocence. And Rhaenyra was pulling away and it saddened her. And so she looks like that conflict at this moment has finally been resolved. And she's really excited about it. And Rhaenyra... Um, is is seeing her as a bitch basically <laughs> and <laughs> is thankful that she seems to have changed her mind now and they really seem to be to be happy that they've earned each other's respect and admiration and and love again and it, see, it seems like they're both really willing to forgive and forget <laughs> and uh it's at this moment where finally being able to relax uh the pain sets in again mm-hmm. with uh Viserys and the, you know, Allison sees it immediately and calls the guards and he's like, oh, and collapses back against the chair. Now that his mission's over and he, the adrenaline that's been pushing him to complete this whole uh, objective is is gone. Uh, the, the pain sets in again and and uh, Damon watches as he's as the pain hits him and you can see just pain and sorrow in Damon's eyes and he as the guards are carrying him away he's fidgeting uncomfortably like seeing his brother like this is killing Damon uh yeah and Damon you know as powerful and uh cunning and keen as Damon is you know there's nothing he can do to help yeah, Viserys right it's just all he wants to do is help him and, yeah. yeah and he's completely powerless to do it sucks and so they're carrying Viserys out of the chamber right as a roast pig is being carried in. And unfortunately, uh, no matter how hard Rhaenyra and Alicent try, 
And no matter what they're willing to do to put aside their enmity, enmity and become friends and, and love and respect each other again, <laughs> they've already set the dominoes in motion in, in the yeah. years past. And regardless of their own feelings, at this point, the pieces are falling and the, the momentum is 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 in action. The inertia is already, you know, <laughs> moving and the children have been trained to hate each other and it's just too late to fix. And it's a yeah. self-fulfilling prophecy. It really is. And as as aim, as Viserys is being wheeled out, not wheeled, but carried uh, and the pig is coming in, you know, it's sort of like the pig is replacing Viserys in the room and the pig is about to get carved up piece by piece yeah. the same way that Viserys's piece P E A C E oh. is about, is about to be carved, carved up, up. <laughs> and, and, you know, kingdom by kingdom, Lord by Lord, you know, team green, team black, you know, who's, who's going to side with who we got dragons on both sides and Viserys left the room knowing you know thinking that he had accomplished the peace in his yeah, family yeah that's very and, important and this and that that gives him peace which i'm i mean if you think about it in game of thrones and house of the dragon very few people get to see their life's work done uh in the way that they want it to and to die on their own terms you know especially a peaceful death mm -hmm. um so viserys gets that he goes to bed at peace. Yeah. The, the family is at peace. He Rhaenyra believes and his Allison. mission is complete. And so he goes in. He, I'm sorry. He goes out of the room. The pig comes into the room. And some people are surmising that that Luke possibly had, you know, slipped a 20 to uh, the cook. Or not the cook, <laughs> but to serve a roasted pig or to the, the butler, the whatever they're called. The servants who bring in the pig. To, to set it in front of Aemond, not to sit in the middle of the table, you know, or for Damon or Otto to, you know, carve it up and give everybody a slice. They set that pig right in front of Aemond. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was Luke. I think Luke saw the pig and made the connection, but it was, just remember it was- had a little chuckle. Yeah, remember it was Aegon who, who planned the initial pig thing. I don't think it was Aegon here. That's true. I think it may have been Otto. Oh, to chaos is a ladder. Yeah, because he's the one that's driving the wedges between the family. He's the one that prevented Alicent from greeting Rhaenyra and Damon. It's probably, I, I mean, I don't know for sure. I felt like Luke, as he saw it, was more reacting. And I right, feel like it's probably, oh, that's funny. maybe it's Otto who did it to instigate the children yeah. against each other. Chaos. Yeah, um, that's definitely a possibility. You know, it's just a speculation, but may makes sense in my brain. And when, uh, before Eamon, or as Eamon stands up, he likes hits the table, right? Yeah. He boom, which Jace, punches the which table. Jace, right, yeah, which Jace had done when he got mad at Aegon, and then he stood up and kept his cool, and then gave the little playful punches to Aegon yeah. as he gave his toast. But now Eamon slams the table, like, for real, for real. Yeah. Um, and uh, raises his cup. Final tribute, which is that phrase in and of itself is pretty ominous yeah final tribute <laughs> totally <laughs> to the health of my nephews jace luke and joffrey and uh you can just feel something coming you don't know what yet each of them handsome wise and i said oh no oh no he's gonna say it he's gonna say it <laughs> hmm. he's gonna say it 
strong. <laughs> oh. And immediately Allison's like, Amond. Amond. <laughs> Come, let us drain our cups to these three strong boys. And it's mayhem. It's mayhem after that. Yeah, mayhem, total mayhem. Oh. Jay stands up and it's like, I dare you to say that again. Why? It was only a compliment. Do you not think yourself strong? And Rhaenyra is intervening as well at this point. Jace, like telling Jace. him, back down. Stand down, soldier. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's enough. Allison, that's enough. And uh, the boys come together. Jace punches Aemond in the face. Luke stands up and starts running over, but is intercepted by Aegon, who smashes him down onto the table, Joker style. I'm going to make this pencil disappear. You know, (laughs) smashes his head against the table. And uh, Aemond just easily just push shoves Jace down to the ground. And I'm picturing Sansa at this point. You're spoiling everything! (laughs) You know, because Rhaenyra and Allison just put everything aside and and suppressed their their feelings and desires and came together for Viserys, for this old man, for their father, and 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 made amends. And the kids are just fucking it all up at this point. <laughs> like all I hear is Sansa just wailing. Yeah. Stop it! Stop it! You've ruined everything. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, you know, Alicent confronts Aemond. Why would you say such a thing before these people? I was merely expressing how proud I am of family, mother. Although it seems my nephews aren't quite as proud of theirs. And when he says that, he kind of turns towards them and projects that line towards them. Like, it seems like they're not quite as proud of their family. And this sets off Jace and and Luke again, who break free of the people that are holding them and rah, start running forward them again. But Damon steps in between them, right? Damon, wait, wait, calms down the boys and the boys immediately like stop when the commanding presence of Damon shows up. Yeah, Damon is, is their father figure now. So yeah. when he says, plus stop, he's a maniac. Then, yeah, absolutely. They just watched him <laughs> slice the guy's head off, you know, in, in the throne room. So yeah. if that guy tells you to stop, you better stop. So he steps out, tells him to wait. And Rhaenyra's like, go to your quarters. All of you go now. And uh, it's at this point where Damon turns and goes to face Aemond. And the two of them lock Showdown. eyes and eye. Yeah. And I, I hear like, ooh, you know, and a tumbleweed exactly. rolls by. <laughs> yeah. Showdown. And, <laughs> Yeah, the total showdown face-off, staring each other down, and it's like they are near mirror images of one another. Aemond has the hair that Damon had in the pilot episode, the long mm-hmm. uh, hair. They're like they're like mirror images of each other, and in in not only in body but in in spirit, sort of. You know, like Aemond yeah, is absolutely rowdy and will say what he feels when he do what he wants, just like. Just like Damon. And remember I mentioned before, you just rearrange the letters a little bit, take the D from the beginning of Damon and Damon and move it to the end of Amon and you get yep. Amond. So they're like, you know, that's probably a clever little wordplay by George to show us how similar yep. these two characters are. Absolutely. Equal and opposite, you know, type of thing with the D being at the front and the end. So they send off, yeah, they send off the kids to the quarters and we get the face off there between Damon and Amond. 
<laughs> Damon and Eamon, Damon and Eamon, Damon and Eamon, try to say that a million times fast. Exactly. And then as they, everybody leaves, you know, Eamon is the one that breaks eye contact first and mm-hmm. kind of turns and walks past and leaves, leaving Damon standing there at the commanding uh, the situation. And as he walks away, Alicent and Rhaenyra have a quick little moment where uh, Rhaenyra says, you know, I think it's best if we go back to Dragonstone. And Alicent's like, oh, you've only just arrived. And she takes her arm in her hands, you know, lovingly. And it's like they really have reconnected to some degree in this scene. And as they're, uh, you know, and Rhaenyra seems to recognize it as well, feeling the warmth of her, uh, her tone and of, you know, of her hands, basically of her contact. And uh, she decides that she'll bring the kids home and then return on dragon back. And Alicent says that both she and the king would like that, you know, making, (laughs) trying to make it clear that they're, she's trying to be cool again. Yeah, absolutely. They, um, is this the first time we think that Alicent has touched Rhaenyra since they clashed at Driftmark? I believe so. I don't think, because everything when Alicent greeted them, Daenyra, Daenyra, (laughs) both of them were, you know, well beyond arm's length, you know, across the room as they traded insults and barbs. Right. Um, in the throne room, they were never close to each other. Uh, and at the dinner, Viserys was sitting. There was a big gap between them. And then they brought in Viserys and he sat between them. So mm-hmm. and they were they, looking at each other, you know, right. before. Yeah, they really, were like, mm, like, there's this wall. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but both of them, uh, we assume they probably haven't seen each other in the intervening six plus years uh, between episodes. So, yeah, that's what it seems like. I'm just kind of surprised Rhaenyra didn't recoil at Allison's touch. Yeah, I think that uh, probably didn't because they both legitimately were really trying to, uh, you know, make amends. So. Yeah. When uh, when Rhaenyra always assumed the worst, uh, Rhaenyra said, oh, I'll return on Dragonback. I was like, no, don't tell her your movements. Uh, it's late. It's at night. And by the time they sail to Dragonstone or I mean, I guess they could have all possibly yeah, right. rode dragons. But I guess little Bela, or sorry, little Reyna still doesn't have a dragon since Aemon stole Vagar. Uh, right, they're all going to be um, in one place at the same time. But Roasted. if, but I, I, was, I was thinking of it from Rhaenyra's, just her coming back on Dragonback, they could set up, you know, ballistas on King's, the top of the Red Keep. And oh, true, as, uh, true. As Rhaenyra comes back on Cyrax, they could try to shoot her out. I was, you know, assuming the greens are, Truly nefarious. Um, (laughs) But after the events of tonight, later, you know, with Viserys and Alicent, maybe she could. We don't, I mean, this is the last we see Rhaenyra. And, you know, something could come of it. We could come back to the next episode just moments after this episode ended. And Alicent's all in a tizzy about the prophecy and Aegon and uh, Viserys' dying wish. And it's like, all right, man, the ballistas. Rhaenyra will be back in a little while. Yeah, true. That'd be crazy. (laughs) I mean, that would be crazy. So. I don't totally remember any, you know, anything like that immediately happening uh, in the books, but a lot of stuff has happened that's not in the books, and they're filling in the pages of history as we go. Definitely. That his, you know, that the maesters didn't know about necessarily. So it's uh, pretty crazy. Definitely. This, uh, this whole little part here sort of has a Shakespearean tragedy vibe to it, where finally, you know, the two women reconnect and forgive each other and take each other's hands, literally. But it's too late. The poison's already been swallowed, you know, like Romeo and Juliet. 
at the ending <laughs> and uh yeah yeah and uh, so like the kids are going to continue the conflict and uh regardless of what the adults do here tragedy yep total tragedy i'm saying spoiler alert for the end of romeo and juliet if you haven't read or seen the movie of a what you know 600 year old <laughs> uh, play or maybe wait shakespeare was in i can't remember his time frame like back in the 1400s whenever sir francis bacon was around let's see when is uh when was Sir Francis Bacon around? Anyway, if you haven't read or seen Romeo and Juliet, go read it. I'll watch it. 1600s. Shakespeare 1600s, supposedly okay. died 1616. So it's only been 400 some odd years ago. Yeah. But plenty of time for everybody to have been caught up on Shakespeare. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> People are like, oh, how have you not seen this movie from the 80s? It's like, yeah, it's been, you know... 30 plus years is like even longer for Shakespeare. <laughs> Way longer. <laughs> um, plus everybody, most, a lot of people read it in school and stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so next we cut to the white worm, right? Yeah, this house looks, I was like, I thought we were going back to Pentos just kind of from the, the outside shot of that house. Mm, that yeah, I didn't really notice. Um, it looked, it didn't really look Westerosi to me. Mm. Um, but I mean, it could be anywhere. There's, you know, I'm sure there's all kind of different houses. Definitely and not mansions. flea bottom though. Right. Yeah. Not flea, flea bottom or piss water bin. Um, <laughs> piss water bin. <laughs> and uh, it's revealed that Talia, Allison's servant, you know, handmaiden, almost like a personal assistant because Talia is in there a lot. Talia is the girl who Allison sent away when her and the clubfoot were kind of debriefing yeah. after uh, Lionel Strong tried to tried to quit. You know, right, right. Allison yeah. comes in and debriefs the clubfoot about what happened. And yeah, she comes in and Clubfoot's like clams instantly. Up. Yeah. So it, uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty interesting that uh, is Talia there at the behest of Allison? I don't think so. Or is she secretly? Like it. Seems like Allison's being spied on by somebody. The question is, who does Talia exactly. work for? The hand, it's got to be the hand. Who does number two work for? We know that Masaria has fed information to Otto before. So true. From the night, from the midnight, she may have been spying on the King's Landing the whole time that he's been gone, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, some yeah, feed, somehow feeding, sending ravens to to Old Town when when Otto was back at home. But but Otto was there at the keep, you know, for all this and. Talia shows but up to Masaria and Masaria says, it's, it's been an eventful night at the keep, I hear. Right. But so, the, key, the key part that nobody but Allison and Sir Eric Arik knows about and Talia is the serving winch. Oh, and the right, rape right, and right. The, and then the plantee. Mm -hmm. So that's some dirt on Allison and her covering up Aegon's indiscretions mm -hmm. that I'm sure Otto would be interested to know all of Aegon's goings on yeah that does make sense uh, or it could be somebody else you know it could be somebody from the blacks uh what if masaria is also double timing Otto and informing damon she probably has history with damon but probably not all that good after what happened on dragonstone with the egg pretty interesting the, the potential dynamics so they showed us that for a reason so there's going to be something is going to come of that yeah something yeah I'm, i can't wait to find out 
who she's really working for and what's really going on there. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> and that, yeah, that's all they say. They It just says, yeah, just a we quick see little that it's Masaria. She has like a, a scar on her neck. Oh, I didn't notice. Pretty interesting looking. Um, a lot of her other outfits we've seen, uh, she has this like a, some kind of collared kind of thing Ooh, around her neck. But now this dress she had on didn't. And you could see... Um, it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, that's all they say. It's been quite a night at the castle, it seems. And then Talia says, yes, my lady. And that's all we get. Yeah. And then from there, we move on to the final scene of the episode <laughs> with uh, the death of King Viserys. Yeah, pretty crazy. He's had an epic run this season and he yeah. made it to the eighth episode. Pretty so. damn good. Pretty it, good. Ned Stark, number nine in the first season. Yeah, the penultimate. So people oh. are surmising that somebody big is going to die next week. Yeah. To keep in line with, because Battle of the Bastards was episode nine. Lots of um, penultimates. There's some events in the East in Marine or Astapor, Yunkai in season three, episode nine, I think. So, yeah, lots of, lots of potential drama next week. For sure. <laughs> Pretty awesome. I can't wait. All right. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Two more episodes. Can you believe it? Yeah, I know, two. dude. It's like time is There's only flying. two more episodes and they're both going to be shorter than this week's, which oh. was long, but I mean, it's still probably going to be an hour plus, but hopefully if yeah. it's an hour and 18 versus this one was an hour and 20. It's still shorter. It was an hour and 20. It didn't feel like that. It really zoomed by and there was nothing. There was no big battle sequence or action sequence to like make the time fly by, you know, in an action sort of way. It was just solid drama. Mm -hmm. I mean, just awesome. Great acting, great design. I mean, just aesthetics, visuals. I mean, it's really top notch. Yeah. And they made the epic piece of the episode was an old decrepit man walking across the room <laughs> and climbing some stairs. It yeah, was really crazy amazing. how they made that simple of a concept. This grandiose, epic uh, scene. Yeah, for real. Really good. Really impressive. All right, so we are now at the final scene with Viserys' death. And he's groaning uh, in bed as footsteps approach and Alicent arrives to dutifully care for him, providing him with some milk of the poppy to ease his suffering. and uh, Keeping him addled. Yeah, well, you know, no need for addling at this point, right? <laughs> But because uh, yeah. the whole situation's done, but um, you know, as as I'm rewatching this, I'm reflecting on Alicent's on Rhaenyra's comments about Alicent from the prior scene at the dinner about how she has been faithful to Viserys and as his caretaker and helper, and nobody's you know she's been more loyal and stayed by his side more than anybody else. And I'm thinking about you know it's it's true she's dedicated to him. She could be having a handmaid do this. Or somebody else, but she came and shooed the handmaids when he was in his bath and was sponged him carefully herself. Um, here she is taking care of him herself in the middle of the night um, before he dies and uh, easing his pain. So, you know, Rhaenyra was definitely right about that, right for once, and <laughs> and. Uh, Gave some some due praise to Alicent for her dedication to Viserys in his final months and years. And uh, as he drinks the milk of the poppy, he uh, starts to relax and starts apologizing. 
and Alicent is she's telling him not to worry, but mm-hmm. he starts speaking. Uh, you wanted to know if I believed it to be true. And he thinks it's Rhaenyra that's with him, like the, pr- the prior yeah. night. And yeah, the continuation of that conversation, you know, when Rhaenyra came to him last night. Yeah, it's just uh, kind of the, out of In it. the thunder and the lightning. And so he's just kind of, his, his mind is picking up that conversation, you know, seamlessly. Yeah, pretty wild. And so he, she's she doesn't know what he's talking about. And she's like, believe what to be true, my king? Don't you remember? Aegon. And she <laughs> thinks it's their son, Aegon, you know. Oh my goodness. His dream. Song of ice and fire. It is true. What he saw in the north, the prince that was promised. And she's confused by this because she's not the one that's supposed to be getting the message. Exactly. She has no clue about the prophecy, no clue about the blade and how it's been passed down from king to heir. And that whole phrase, the prince that was promised. Yeah. Like just think into Allison's ears, what that what she would take that to mean. And in the moment you're like, Oh no, Oh no, 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 please. No, 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 no. Everything was just resolving. And so of course she thinks that the prince that was promised is referring to her son, Aegon, but she's still, she's like, I don't, I don't understand Viserys. And he's reiterates the prince, the prince, Prince Aegon to unite the realm against the cold and the dark. It is you. You are the one. You must do this. You must do this. And he's talking about Rhaenyra. Yeah, but Allison, hearing this, you are the one. You must do this. Like, those are instructions. Those, to her, that is the king's dying wish. The king's dying wish, which makes it all the more important that you follow up on it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, Oh, man. You must do this. And then, you know, she shushes him some more. And uh, he relaxes further. And then, you know, she just blows out the candle, which, you know, is is uh, symbolic and, you know, reminiscent of, you know, it's not her who's extinguishing the Ceres's candle is light of life. But it's, you know, obviously what's, you know, in the moment in the moments to come, you know, his flame is about to be extinguished. Yeah. Which she doesn't know. And she says, I understand my king. And she leaves him, uh, you know, to to sleep. I saw somebody commenting online that they thought it was particularly cruel of her in this moment. They thought that it was obvious that Viserys was dying and that she just left him in the dark alone to die. But I didn't take it that way at all. I thought, like you said, the flame going out was symbolic of what was happening. And they wanted to, I feel like the the, the directors and showrunners wanted to give Patty Considine this moment to shine and uh, to have Vis- Viserys' death unencumbered by anything else, just our sole focus on him. So I think she was just leaving him to sleep like any other night, basically. He's been in this rough condition for months and out of it. Yeah. And so I, I don't think, think tonight I think so too. she would particularly think, oh, he's going to die at this moment, you know, necessarily. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, as much as I hate Allison, you know, I don't think she left him to die here. Again, this is yeah. just a, another night in Westeros. We just happen to have... Uh, a big day, you know, let's get you settled down from, you know, from your big yeah, day. Just get some sleep. Let's get, get you sleep. know, that the meme is like back in my day. Um, I said, all right, grandma, let's get you to bed. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's what she's just putting Viserys to bed. And he happens to 
say it's you you're the one the prince that was promised the true the Aegon's dream is true you're the one you're the one unite the realm so oh man so he's like oh wow this that's crazy so he wants me to do it after all Hmm. right he's it's like he had some revelation and he's like changing his mind at the last moment like a deathbed confession where somebody reveals something at the last moment before they die to ease their conscience or something like that uh, right right and so she leaves and he's just left there and we see his final moments and you know it's it's agony and they say no more, no more. So I was thinking like no more pain. He, he doesn't want to do this anymore. Yeah. No more pain. He's ready for death. He's accepting it. Right. He's ready. He has seen his family, you know, be brought together. Yep. He's um, set things he right. He's achieved a peace. He set things right, you know, between Rhaenyra and Allison and their families. So he doesn't want any more suffering and any more pain. And then a camera cuts to black and, you know, we hear him say, my love. And it's like he's reaching up. The, the shots from the side and he's sort of reaching uh, up with his one hand. Yeah. Most everybody thinks that he's talking to Emma yeah, yeah. In, in the afterlife. And, you know, he sees his love and yeah. uh, fi- he's finally reunited with her. Finally. And then people, some people don't watch with, with the captions on, but sometimes you can get little clues. Yeah. The captions, <laughs> the captions say breathing stops. Yep. Yeah, so you know it's dead. It's already black. The scene's black. The screen's black. But then the credits start rolling. So if anybody's wondering, Viserys is dead. He's dead. This was his death. People are like, oh, his death was off screen. It's like, (laughs) it was on screen. Barely. But his final breath, you know, we hear it. We hear it, yeah. And we hear him, you know, see Emma and and tell her. So, but some, some of the reaction podcasts, we're like, oh, I wonder if we'll see Viserys next week. Or, Maybe oh, I wonder if we'll see him actually die next week. I'm like, <laughs> he's dead. did y'all just watch the same show I just watched? <laughs> he's dead. That was it. <laughs> the end. So, I mean, just brutal. I mean, he, I mean, he's just in pain right before he dies. No, no more. No more. I mean, it's just so brutal and heartbreaking. Such a great performance. And uh, it reminded me of Maester Eamon's death. Do uh, you remember what, what he sees before he dies? He sees Egg. His brother, yeah. His, his nephew, his brother? His brother, yeah. I can't remember the relationship. Egg on the fifth. Yeah, yeah. And um, the Egg from the Duncan Egg novels or novellas. Yeah, does he say Egg? Yeah. Or does he die? Egg! Oh. <laughs> egg! Yeah, he says it. Uh, mother, something nice. about his mother, like, and then, you know, he's talking about talking to Egg. So it's kind of cool, like, the parallel between the two peaceful deaths in the show that we've, <laughs> that we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, um, well, you can put this kind of, and we can go, we can talk more about Viserys if you want to in the, the final scene. But um, so the mask, the golden mask that mm-hmm. he wears, you know, could be, you know, potential foreshadowing. I mean, it's at retroactive to Viserys the third. And Drogo giving him his crown of gold. <laughs> yeah, I saw some cool and side the by gold, side. Remember the gold kind of slides down Viserys the third, his, his face, and before he clunk down onto the ground, mm, and it's like yeah, there's a, a gold, effect. you know, mask that goes down Viserys the first, just here, like this his face, and there's that kind of scar looking thing that we talked about or the tear. I was like, I don't know. So I didn't think about this, and this, they have the same name. Uh, yeah. Pretty cool. I saw a side by side where like they look virtually identical. It's it's great. I'll pop it up on the thing. 
What does Drago say as he pours it? Crowd fucking. So awesome. Oh man, that was that was an awesome moment in season one because we we didn't see Viserys that much, but he just was tortured Danny almost and just, you know, treated her horribly. Yeah. And then Danny has the line after fire cannot kill a dragon. Right. Yeah. Reflecting on Viserys's passing, like, ah, uh, he's no true dragon. Um but you, you ever you heard the phenomenon of like where a family member will before they die, they'll like wait to see one fa- family member for a last time before they've let go and, and die. Right. Like my, mm-hmm. When my grandmother was dying, she waited like three days until my aunt was able to fly in. And then after finally being able to see my aunt, she died in the middle of the night. You know, um, I feel like Viserys was just holding on here until he could set things right. And, you know, like who knows how long he was uh, a bed for before this, he could have been months before you know, since the last time he'd even stood up. So for him to come waltzing into the hall <laughs> on his own yeah. two feet must have been like it was a crazy moment. Yeah, but blew yeah, everybody's mind. He's just waiting until finally accomplishing his goal and setting things right and seeing Rhaenyra and Daemon for the last time. And once he had saw them and was able to to accomplish it, he was ready to go. And he did, you know. Epic. How did Viserys be the most become the most compelling character on this show all of a sudden? You know what I mean? Like, damn. Yeah, pretty what an crazy. Episode. And just like the whole aesthetic was just the coolest. Coolest. So yeah. Anything else you want to add about the episode before we move on to uh Raven's calls and everything? I don't think so. All right. Then we will be right back. Stick with us. Kelsey of House Carlson says, I could write a novel on my feelings on this episode, but I'll simply say thank you, Hot D, for making a moving piece of art that I may never recover from. I think this may have hit me worse than Hodor. Oh, uh, man. Yes, very, Just as very hard, moving. For sure. But yeah, we're basically writing a novel about this, our feelings on this episode of this four-hour podcast. Freaking huge <sighs> one. <laughs> thank you so much for writing in lady kelsey always great to hear from you and yeah amazing episode this is top five maybe of all the series um sir matthew of house rep says what a fantastic episode patty constantine knocked it out of the park and really made me feel for viserys in a way i didn't think possible I know it's Corliss's nickname, but I think we can all agree if there is any snake in the family, it's old Vaymond over there. (laughs) Just like Tommen, it seems like Alicent is getting a little too into the seven over there, over here. Yeah, Tommen did get quite brainwashed by the High Sparrow and whatnot, didn't he? We get a glimpse of what might have been if Alicent accepted Rhaenyra's proposition of a wedding between Jace and Helena. Oh yeah, when they're dancing. 
true. Mm-hmm. Viserys gave me Grandpa Sawyer vibes from Czech- Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the dinner scene. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to have to rewatch that. I can't remember what <laughs> Grandpa Sawyer looks like. Good to see that Sir Eric got some FaceTime this week, even if he was mistaken for his twin, Eric. I get them confused, too. I know one of them took over for Harwin as Rhaenyra's appointed Queensguard. Speaking of Eric and Eric, I just saw a picture with two shots from the dinner scene. One shot is of Lord Otto, of Otto, and behind him and to his left is one of the two twins, Eric or Eric. And then the other shot is of Damon on the opposite end of the table, and behind him and to his right is the other of the two twins, so it's it seems to be foreshadowing that those those two twins may split between the factions of green and black, and uh, it could be uh, important. I guess I don't know. We'll have to wait and find out. Sir Matthew also says it must be a common practice naming twins Eric and Eric, because of hundreds of years later, Olena Tyrell has two guards with those names, but she can't be bothered to tell who's who, so she just calls them right and left. <laughs> we mentioned that earlier. Uh, so so good. It's freaking awesome. hilarious. I love how the history rhymes. You know, absolutely. Which is what George Lucas said <laughs> in regards to Star Wars. Sir Richard of uh, House Horsefield says, Hot D, the show that keeps on giving. All killer, no filler. Eight episodes in a row now, I'm saying at the end, poor Viserys. Possibly the only uh, G-O-T-U character that I've ever felt sorry for. (laughs) Poor guy just tried to do the right thing. All hail Patty Constantine. There better be awards in this man's future. Damon is back to doing Damon things. Yes. Turning Vayman into a South Park Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still hate the High Towers, especially Alley Cat. Ride or die, Team Ray Ray. Let's Ooh. go, Sir Richard. Let's go. <laughs> um, Considine. Interesting last name, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I'd never heard that one before. Sounds British. Oh, yeah, it does. I had uh, previously referred to the auto actor as Reese Ilfans mistakenly. There's no L it's Reese Ifans, which is like uh, the, Uh, I probably said it wrong. I fixed it when you said it, I cut out the old from your clip and spliced (laughs) it together. So it sounded like Ifans. You're the real MVP. (laughs) Yeah. But I didn't, you know, I didn't catch it. Sir, Sir Richard told me, um, okay. Yeah. Lord Richard. So Yeah. Considine and Ifans. It's like the uh, Gaelic version of Evans. He said, I think it was Gaelic. Oh. Yeah. And we have a voicemail from Archmaster Stitches. Maester Stitches here. I apologize for the wind noise. I am currently sailing through the air in a yacht. So I'm headed to Dallas. Um, interesting. Anyway. I just want to start off my feedback this week with uh, a big fat uh, fuck Aegon the Elder. Screw this kid. <laughs> I cannot stand him. I hate him. <laughs> I think out of all the depraved things that Allison has like let a blind eye go to, obviously her son is the worst, which to me makes the most sense. Your parents never want to realize how horrible their children are. Yeah. But talk about like... Uh, Kind of like a meta storytelling of like the royal family, like the current one, <laughs> with like Epstein Island and all that crap. <laughs> like here's this complete Andrew. pervert, like you know, 
forcing himself a fucking on like the staff and I mean again I don't know how much they're gonna go into the books so I don't wanna spoil anything but this guy sucks <laughs> fucking sucks I don't like him I can't wait to see him hopefully he dies <laughs> in a spectacular fashion I mean, it's not a spoiler to say he dies from the Game of Thrones point of view, because technically all these people die before this. <laughs> <laughs> but, God, I want to see it so bad. That actor is so good. Like, I guarantee you, he's the little shit that had the pig brought out to be put in front of his brother. Oh, for sure. The reason I say that is because oh, when today. Raina betroves uh, Luke and Jace to uh, Bela and uh, the other one, <laughs> I can't keep all these names up. Uh, anyway, Raina. he's got this smirk on his face, like he just loves the fact that someone's like up showing his his mother and his grandfather, like the high towers. Like I know he's a oh, green, right. I get it. I mean, he's dressed in enough green, but I think he's one of these little shits that just gets enjoyment out of you know. Uh, you had plans. You were a schemer. Yeah. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, he just likes seeing his mom get During her up court comics, scene, I guess. He's grinning because like a fiend. Why else would he be smirking at that? Um, and then the pig being run out in front of his brother. I think he's just like that old engine of chaos thing. Like, he doesn't give a fuck what side, whose side, what side. He's just all about doing what he wants. Creating chaos and just getting his rocks off and that kind of stuff. I hate him. That being said... <laughs> I fucking love his brother, dude. Uh, that stare down yeah, between yeah. him and Damon. Right when uh, Damon cuts off uh, uh, Baymont's head and fucking that look, he's like, man, this dude, this is the dude. Like, which makes sense because he doesn't care about tourneys. He said that earlier in the episode. He wants battle, man. Yeah, and he, does. he sees that as like the ultimate prize battle opponent. Yeah, the ultimate and test. Such, such fucking great cinematic, you know, storytelling and stuff. Uh, I think you have been hinting at it, Duncan, and I know, uh, you know, most of us that have read the book kind of know the ins and outs of things, but they're really setting up some shit, man. And it's awesome. It's so well done. So well done. Um, man, all these jokes about fucking uh, King Viserys becoming the Crypt Keeper, <laughs> it's like the showrunners took that to heart. <laughs> yeah, totally. Or it's crazy how much he looks like a White Walker with a crown. <laughs> and uh, yeah, dude, I'm I'm so just enthralled with how well this is all been put together. How amazing these episodes are paced. Way better than uh, I thought it would be. It's just so, so. I mean, just to, like here's the White Worm. Just in case you guys forgot, she exists. Like they still hint at all the players in the game, you know, and, uh, dude, I think the theme of this episode is crappy uncles, <laughs> you know, like how awful is Valerion to his, his nephews and not just that they're strongs and all that kind of stuff. I mean, like oh, Amond, his nieces, oh, he's just so selfish. And then how awful is Aegon, the elder, uh, not the baby Aegon. That was a cute baby, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I cannot wait to see uh, Rhaenyra's uh, other children get older, which I think is going to be a while because I don't think you're going to be doing a whole lot of time jumps between now and the next season. Um, I hope not, anyway, because there's so much crap that's about to go on that they're going to need tons and tons and tons of episodes just to to really give us the minutia of the details, man. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, guys, fucking let's do it. We got two more left. Uh, about to have what the Council of the Greens and fucking all sorts of stuff coming, man. Like, uh, I feel bad for like the one guy on the council that's still dressed in black. The old guy is like, well, wait a minute. I mean, <laughs> why are we even talking about that? I just, <laughs> he's so like lost. <laughs> oh man. He's, God, I feel so great. bad for Viserys. Yeah. And like reaching his hand out to like, like he's seeing his dreams because he's so stoned on milk of the poppy. Ugh. And man, I love seeing, uh, that's my last point, the brotherly love. I mean, yeah, yeah there's like, the hit me hard. Of like Jaffe brotherly love, like the way Aegon. But man, I think I think he's the one that has the pig again put in front of uh, <laughs> of uh, his brother. Lots of different but, ideas about that, huh? Man, Daemon when he rushes to like help up Viserys up the throne, dude. I did another one of those shit moments. Like, yeah, I love seeing like all yeah. the crap they've been through. That they're still <laughs> brothers, man. I, that that's so fucking awesome. Very impactful. Anyway, what a great episode. Fucking gave me goosebumps. Just so good. So good. So many things to come. It's like every episode I feel like in this series should just be just this series should be just be called Game of Thrones foreshadowing. Like <laughs> everything just sets up like, oh god, is it gonna happen? Oh, look at the hint of that. It's just so good. They're so good at like appeasing the book readers and giving people that never read the book. Like my wife hasn't read it. And she's just completely like, This is amazing. And you know, it's like they really, really learned from what what little shortfalls I feel like they had in the other series. I mean, it's a lot harder to put a fucking show on when the source material's over. But anyway, thank you guys again for all you do. And uh, I can't wait to uh, see what you guys have to say about this one. And I'll talk <laughs> to you all next week. Hopefully better audio next week. <laughs> it sounds good. Thanks so much for leaving a voicemail, Johnny. Always great thank to hear you. from you. Thank you, Johnny. And yeah, this like the way that they, uh, the way that you're talking about them improving on shortfalls from Game of Thrones. One one thing that symbolizes that is like the the minuscule hunt scene with Robert and his two buddies at the beginning, uh, compared oh, to yeah. the big, huge hunt with the tents and the whole teams in this one. Yeah. And that that's like symbolizes just the way that this show is expanding and improving on everything from Game of Thrones. So yeah, that really was one cool. of the big things that George hated most about the series was Robert's <laughs> lack of hunt. Yeah, totally. His that was like his his biggest gripe, I think you said, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, that's our show, episode 128. Thanks for listening, everybody. A huge thank you to John Bailey, the epic voice guy from the Emmy-nominated Honest Trailers for announcing our show. And many thanks to our epic patrons on Patreon. Sirenicide, Lord John of House Grills, Sir Matthew of House Rep, Lord Jeremiah of House Becker, The Last High Gardener of High Garden, Sir Corey Eugene of House Coon, and Lady Naya of House Thrice. On another note, if you like my take on things, you might be excited to learn that I'm working on a project of my own. It's a series in a novel-slash-screenplay hybrid form that I'm already over 1,100 pages into writing. Imagine the Da Vinci Code, Indiana Jones, Tomb Raider, Stargate, Journey to the Center of the Earth, National Treasure... 
Project Blue Book, War of the Worlds, Splinter Cell, and Independence Day all combined into one post-World War II era epic. The Core Saga. Coming soon. If you'd like to donate or subscribe to support us, you can go to paypal.me slash gompodcast or patreon.com slash gompodcast to donate an amount of your choosing. There are links to both at gameofmicrophones.com. Doing some online shopping? Then go on over to gameofmicrophones.com, scroll down to the bottom, and click on our link to Amazon. As an Amazon associate, we earn from qualifying purchases. Any contribution you make helps, and you can help secure the continued existence of GOM. And make sure to check out Sirenicide and Hearing the Haunted, the horror drama podcasts by Archmaester Stitches, featuring me as well as the great Archmaester himself. Next episode, we'll be covering House of the Dragon Season 1, Episode 9, the penultimate episode of the season, The Green Council. We'll be recording on Monday afternoons for the rest of the season, so make sure to send us your feedback as quickly as possible following the show's airtimes so we can include your thoughts on Game of Microphones. If you'd like to call, you can call us at 813-JOFFREY. That's 813-563-3739. If you'd like to send a raven, you can email us at ravens at gameofmicrophones.com. Make sure to join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash gompodcast. Each week, we'll be posting a feedback thread where you can leave your thoughts and comments on new episodes for us to read on air. Imp slap. Oh. You can also watch Game of Microphones on YouTube, Rumble, BitChute, Odyssey. Audio podcasts are great, but video is better. We're currently trying to build our minuscule subscribe account. So go to youtube.com slash Game of Microphones and subscribe right now. Likes, comments, and shares are appreciated. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Minds at GOM Podcast. And we're on Tumblr, too, at Game of Microphones. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Song of Ice and Fire. Do you believe it to be true? Aegon's dream. You told me it was our duty to hold the realm united against a common foe. By naming me heir, you divided the realm. (sighs) Thought I wanted it. But the burden is a heavy one. It's too heavy. My... My only child... If you wish me to bear it, then defend me and my children. He doesn't have crazy eyes. He has crazy Crazy eyes. Crazy (laughs) eye. R.I.P. (laughs) R.I.P. And. uh, (laughs) But anyway, uh, it was, you know, pretty. I forgot what we were talking about, but. I'm ranting. Oh, yeah. yeah, Just the uh, ranting and rambling. I forgot about that. True. Yeah. Remember that? She, her and Jeno Slint. Holy fudge knockers. Bro, she, they went around and just like murdered all kind of babies. Right. The duck. The worst. Winch.
uh, Iron Rod somebody. And in the books, he's master of laws and they call him Iron Rod supposedly because of how strict he is with the law and with rule breakers. But uh, Mushroom, you're familiar with Mushroom in Fire and Blood? Yeah, the fool. Um, he, uh, he, he always has these salacious, you know, counterpoints to the official, you know, Grim Maester and Septon narrative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bro. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Lord Ironrod, Master of Laws. Oh, the trauma is like... Just, just poop on me. <laughs> Blooper reel. <gasps> <laughs> I think she did. You turned. Got him. <laughs> I was waiting for that to happen. <sighs> oh, yeah. <yep>. Got him. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, I guess oh, I'll deal man. with that in a few minutes. Um, Blooper reel. <laughs> yeah. Have the maester make some plan T and, uh, you know, let's get this over with. Plan T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't you know it's yeah. and that's the truth <laughs> she ordered his the faking of his death <laughs> she was complicit in that yeah yeah that I makes think. sense i got gotcha. you sorry i'm like over here <laughs> he does have more children now but rainier is the only one he loves mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and we better see somebody impaled on all these swords by the time oh, the season series is over. That. Otherwise, I'm going to be how mad. <laughs> somebody needs to be impaled. How crazy would it be? Yeah, just to get somebody just tossed, flung in a fight, just get <laughs> flung over there and just yeah, go, like on several of them. Just, yeah. Oh, man. That's what I'm saying. That'd be right? crazy. It'd be so cool. Take one through the face and another one through the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. We pray for Sir Corliss's re- quick recovery, but here we are with the grim task of Settling the succession of drift mines. Like, Even bitch, we like, know you and Vayman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know you and Vayman and Allison already had a meeting. Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> he yells it. So good. He screams it. And he hits the ground and his tongue is just like waggling, dangling around. He cut it right, right in half of his mouth. Put your Kevlar on your grape. So, <laughs> Vayman... Zayman got his grape sliced. <laughs> yeah. It was pity. So brutal. But yeah, like we're at dinner. Come on. You're going to show us your hole. <laughs> the white guy in the window. And <laughs> the, the pink dread in the window. And uh, you can just feel something coming. You don't know what yet. Each of them handsome, wise. And I said, oh, no. Oh, no. He's going to say it. He's going to say it. <laughs> he's going to say it. Strong. <laughs> no. And immediately Allison's like, Amond. Um, and it, I, it's, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, he, you know, he mostly just ignores you except sometimes when he's drunk. It's like, Oh, <laughs> and Aegon's kind of like <laughs> guilty. <laughs> I dare you to say that again. Why? It was only a compliment. Seems like Allison's being spied on by somebody. The question is who does Talia exactly. work for? The hand, it's gotta be the hand. Who? Does number two work for? Oh no! Oh no! 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 Please no! 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 Everything was just resolving. Let's go, Sir Richard. Let's go. After that, it just says thundering, Viserys murmurs, Rainier sniffles, crying, crying, bell folding, birds chirping. Oh, we made it to the next morning. (laughs) 
You're spoiling everything! <laughs> <laughs> you know? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.